And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep on making animated Star Wars, Hulk Molnax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a bi-weekly podcast talking about something Star Wars in this episode. Targeted by numerous interests, the fugitive Cassian Andor returns home to Ferrix, a tinderbox that is experiencing a spark of rebellion. There will be... Fuck the Empire, we're smacking fascists with bricks today. We're talking about Andor, episode 12, Rick's Road this week, the finale, a year in the making. We finished the fucking end of Andor. Took us a year, but we are here. My name is Hope. I use she, her pronouns. And uh, this is my awesome co-podcaster, Chris. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm I'm Chris. I I I I use all kinds of pronouns in my daily life, but I'm identify with he him. I guess is that what? And, yes, and we do have a very super special guest with us. I'm so excited. I've been like waiting like a year to have them on the show. <laughs> yeah, you better be good, Hope, because you've been blowing them up for the last year. Yes, I have been blowing them up. Uh, they oh, are pressure. The- they are the voice of the wonderful character Zero on the Star Wars Tabletop co- Podcast. I was about to say Codpast. 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 <laughs> uh, for Light and Dice, and they are probably the biggest Andor lover I know. Welcome to the show, Robin. Hello, hello. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, yes, uh, my name is Robin J. Moss. Uh, I use they, them pronouns. Uh, I voice Zero on For Light and Dice. Uh, uh, do various other voices occasionally for things. I don't know if you need a voice. Hit me up. Uh, I, I do know that you've been on some uh, radio dramas on um, podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I was on an episode of the show Tattered Tales. Uh, very good. Uh, yeah, I was, I think, season four, episode two. I played a character called Corey. Um, but yes. And there's other ones that I can't talk about, but so, in your words, what is for light and dice, and who exactly is Zero? And I know, like, Colton and Charles was on, like, two weeks ago, and we talked at least about this, but I want to hear it from you. What is, what is a Star Wars to Zero? <laughs> what is Star Wars to Zero? That is interesting. Listen, uh, you weren't on the, the behind-the-scenes episode, and that was your question. For, ah, for Zero's point of view, what is Star Wars? <laughs> the Star Wars is? Well, that's interesting, because there are no wars in the stars happening in the high republic ish i mean obviously there's yet <laughs> con- conflict but you know it is sort it is the star piece but not anyways uh yes uh for light and dice uh you know uh all queer star wars tabletop rpg uh we play star wars 5e and have a grand old time in the high republic uh, Zero is the engineer of the group. Um, 
They are a droid who was found in a wrecked heap uh, on the ship, uh, the Phantasmal Squonk, and uh, was repaired by the crew and was discovered to have no memory of who they were, what their life was before, and they had no sort of marking, so they just got around to calling them Zero. So uh, they are uh, a bit of bit of an anxious being, uh, but also just kind of not really knowing exactly what is going on. And uh, they don't know what a Star Wars is. Yeah, they don't know what a Star Wars is. Like that, that, that was part <laughs> of the appeal to me was like, you know, so many uh, Star Wars characters, like we do have sort of like POV characters of like, oh, you know, this sheltered farm boy is like brought out into the greater galaxy but like still knows what star wars is but you know if you have a character that doesn't know fucking anything at all then it's like i don't know what money is i don't know what uh you know i i recognize we are on a spaceship that's cool and neat uh, i don't really understand what they do other than get us from place to place one of my favorite mini arcs is Zero figuring out money, but through the lens of our anti-capitalist win. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, Zero has some uh, uh, very uh, uh, guide. We'll say guided political opinions uh, by Win uh, because you know no one else really talks about their political opinions, so. You know, Zero just kind of assumes Win is right about, you know, authority and money. And uh, so whether or not you ascribe to those philosophies, Zero is just like, yeah, you know, Win seems to know what they're talking about. So Win is Charles's <laughs> character, by the way. Everybody. Oh, Jesus. OK. <laughs> so and meanwhile, like Gaz has it understands like money and the Republic and how it functions. And she's just like, when please stop telling Zero about anti-capitalist stuff. We still have to buy gas. <laughs> we still need to buy gas <laughs> so. you know we're just like actively benefiting off of the Naboo royalty while Win and then subsequently Zero are like you know what royalty is kind of fucked actually <laughs> uh... and Gaz is like we can never go back there again which sucks because they gave us a house we have a house we now can't use yeah they gave us a free apartment <laughs> and we're just kind of here like yeah fuck the monarchy <laughs> So, um, yes, we have a wonderful time over there on for Light and Dice. And Robin, like, Robin is the reason why, like, anybody who's never listened to a Star Wars or watched a Star Wars can listen to our game. Because uh, Zero gets to actively learn about Star Wars with everybody else. And we do have, like, listeners who don't watch Star Wars. So, and well, it's all because of the brilliance of Robin. Oh, well, gosh. Hope that, that, that reminds me. Remember I told you about how I was watching this wonderful set of and this is a rare thing nowadays. I was watching a wonderful set of YouTube videos. And it's this guy who watches movies and reacts to them. You know, there's a million people who do that. Well, this guy decided to watch all the Star Wars. He never watched any Star Wars, had no interest in it, didn't didn't follow it, didn't know anything about it. And I've been watching this guy watch. He watched the first six, you know, he watched the the original trilogy, then he watched the prequels. And... I got to say his like what he enjoys in media is very similar to what Hope enjoys. So 
it's like it's like watching it's like watching a hope but even even more pure because he's discovering <laughs> it for the first time and guess what he just watched hope <gasps> rogue one solo yes uh, clone rogue wars one. rogue <laughs> one and he's now decided it's his favorite um it was a Star be. Wars. It should be. It's the best. <laughs> hope it was you got i i got i'll send you a link to this guy you got to watch this guy he's okay yeah you told me about that like last week after watching him discover and he has none of the baggage of anything to do with star wars you know he knows none of any of the scandals or what people gripe about or what they don't like he's just coming at it pure and you can see his editor who has watched all the star wars just keeps putting notes just like watch his face here folks (laughs) (laughs) and it's one of the most wholesome wonderful like experiences and all through it he his favorite character has been 3po but he calls him goldman goldman (laughs) goldman he's like it's goldman oh my and so we're we're watching we're we're watching Rogue One, and I'm like, oh my god, C-3PO walks through in this one. What's going to happen? And the, and the guy almost lost his mind. He's just like, <laughs> yes, it's Goldman! <laughs> Goldman! I Please love you, Goldman! That. That's amazing. That reminds me, uh, when I was in college, uh, my freshman year, uh, there was a- another student who was from Brazil and had never seen any of the Star Wars, had no, like, <sighs> cultural context for it at all like did not know a single thing about it and i'm just out in the like lobby playing cards with someone and he walks out uh walks into the room and and goes guys i just found out that darth vader is luke's father (laughs) i don't even know what life is right now and i was like my friend this is no one gets to have this because even if you haven't seen the movies most people just kind of know that by osmosis thank you for sharing in this moment with me because i sharing this moment with me because no one gets to have you this. never get that purity <laughs> when this guy hit empire strikes back and you know he told him he was his father he's like what what and he goes oh that explains <laughs> the luke i am your father thing like line that i keep hearing people say that was darth vader who said he doesn't call him darth vader he calls him anakin after watching the after watching the prequels he's just like anakin it's anakin. rogue one he's like anakin is this gonna be anakin no it's just some random <gasps> it's anakin <laughs> so. please send me that because i'm a horrific capitalist whore and i would be like oh i could turn that into an article for work (laughs) (laughs) yeah blow up this guy's page because he's i want to you know you know and i don't know how much of it is an act because he watches a lot of movies but it doesn't seem like an act at all you know i will say you can't tell with you can't tell with the youtubes these days but like it feel it's it, it for old jaded star wars fans like me who have to listen to ever have had to listen to everybody cry about star wars since return of the jedi in some way or another uh, ongoing since that it's just great to see someone just coming in and pure that's exactly what i want because like one of my writers wrote an opinion piece of like hey should daisy ridley be blamed for the story of the sequel trilogies when it was above when it was (laughs) above her pay grade within an hour there was 100 facebook comments and i was like i'm not looking at those (laughs) 
I'm just not going to look at those. Most of most of those articles can just be titled. I don't understand how movies are made and I don't understand how things happen. So I'm mad. I wrote an article about how like it's abhorrent that the stress of Star Wars fans made Daisy Ridley get holes in her stomach lining. And when I posted and I even addressed the Facebook comments and when I looked at the Facebook comments, they were all blaming me and Daisy and I'm like, fuck all y'all. Fuck every one of you. <laughs> but I also realized who didn't read the, the article because I directly, you know, addressed them. Anyway. I love Robin. Star Wars with my whole heart. But there are times where I'm like, maybe Star Wars was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the case because uh, I've been uh, pimping you for the last few weeks about this episode. Saying that you love Andor so much that it's ruined all of their Star Wars for you. Yeah. So, and take as much time with this as you want. I have tea and Cheez-Its, so. <laughs> I'm going to get my roommate who hates Star Wars to watch Andor. I just told her today, I'm like, I'm watching the, she's like, I don't want to watch that. And I'm like, I'm watching the episode right now where there's a, a group of old ladies called the, the, you know, Daughters of Ferrix, and they're about to start a revolution at a few, at a funeral of, you know, one of their, one of their members and stuff and then i just froze the frame and i'm like okay now look at these women and it looked like she works at a theater and she belongs to a union and they're backstage workers it's all older women you know that's all women like post post menopausal women age for the most part and ever since ever since like our house burned down i've been meeting all all these people as they come over to visit our new house and stuff and they're all just like these tough old ladies who are just like, I'm going to kill some fascists. <laughs> One of these guys, I'm going to kill some, I'll kill me some fascists. And, and, uh, and I believe them, you know? Yep. And so I was telling her about this and she's just like, maybe, maybe I will watch it. I'm like, maybe you should all watch it as, as it's, it's the stars for non star Wars fans. Like it really is. But I'm going to get, um, I have my box of Cheez-Its, my tea, and I'm going to sit back and let you answer this question, Robin. What is it that you love so much about Andor? <sighs> what don't I love about Andor? Um, gosh. Uh, or I, I guess, mean, how all... has it ruined Star Wars for you? How has it ruined Star Wars for me? I mean, <laughs> it all goes back to Tony Gilroy. Um, I think... Uh, to not not to get too negative about other Star Wars, um, but a lot of Star Wars lately has kind of been just about Star Wars, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it was really refreshing to you know have a story that used the language and imagery of star wars to say something about life and the real world and mm -hmm. the shit that's happening right now and has been happening for thousands of years i mean you listen to tony gilroy talk he's like you know everyone's like wow it's so topical and relevant he's like i don't Guess even what? have to be pulling yeah. from the stuff that's happening right now this yeah you know look at the Revol russian revolution look at the american revolution look at you know any revolution throughout history like this is the same shit that has been happening over and over and over again. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. And uh, it's just brilliant. And and it 
reminded me why I love science fiction, why I love fantasy of like, you can use these big themes and ideas and, you know, these massive sort of uh, intricate worlds and bizarre locations and creatures and use all of that as dressing to uh communicate a deeper meaning um that is a real commentary on our world and like makes you want to be better like i watched andor and i was like shit i am not doing enough right um and i'm still not doing enough and i i you know there's there's plenty of room to to uh grow for for myself and what i can be doing to to make this world a better place but like i i've not had that feeling coming out of a star war in in a while of like this i feel like i am a different and better person because i watched andor um and it's funny because when when i i describe it very similar and people go like that doesn't sound very interesting (laughs) but do they blow anything up and stuff but also, yes, they do. They like, do. Th- yes. Th- th- that's what's crazy to me is like the the there is this weird um uh, uh, uh there's this weird thing where both super fans of Andor and haters of Andor will both like talk about how oh it's like not Star Wars. Um and, and like you have some super fans of Andor who like use that as a like Star Wars is bad, but Andor is good. And uh, then you have, you know, haters of it who are like, this isn't really Star Wars. And it's so funny to me because I'm like, it has all the Star Wars things like it still has the spaceships and the explosions and the fighting and and the wacky creatures and the fun new environments. And it is and it's hilarious I would and, say it's more Star Wars than most of the Star Wars that we come here. If you're if you're gonna exactly. take like if you go back to like what the first movie Lucas made, this is this is more in that style. I imagine George Lucas was watching this. You know, he I mean he based the Rebels off the 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 Viet Cong. Yeah, and I'm sure he's watching this, just nodding his head, going yes, you know, but. It's hard to describe Andor without it sounding too politically charged or preachy or anything, but it's it does it organically. It puts the Star Wars stuff in there organically instead of shoving something familiar in our face and go, look at this. Remember this? Remember yeah. this? Yeah, exactly. Like- the aliens, everything just shows up organically in it, it as if the world was just existing as it as it does without without the watchers watching it, you know? Yeah. without having to pander to the to the crowd and ma- not and making you know even the people who want to be pandered to I'm uh, a lot of them have watched Andor and they don't care you know because they you get sucked into the story it's it's great storytelling absolutely and just like the the precision of the writing and the editing yes uh in the show like i i there Andor can do something in a moment what mm-hmm. some other shows take entire episodes to do. Like it or is season. so 
so concise. Mm -hmm. It's insane to me. Like, it it is such a masterclass in screenwriting because it does Mm -hmm. not waste anything. Nothing. Cinematography. Yeah, exactly. Like, every... Everything that is on screen is important. This is not a show yep. that you can watch looking at your phone while you're while you have it going in the background. Like that, everything that is on screen matters and is communicating the story. And if there is something like it, it characters do not like the the fact that it uh, uses silences. It uses like characters just like looking and contemplating. Like there there are so many things that other shows and other star wars shows would just fill all of those moments with words to just tell you yep. what is happening and it is just so good at the you know the your classic screenwriting rule of show don't tell like it everything is important yeah, yeah there's 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 a confidence to it that is that it frankly doesn't exist in any of the current even the stronger Disney Star Wars, you know, like, you know, the stronger episodes in the Mandalorian and and stuff like that. Still, they always have those moments where it's just like, okay, all right, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. Yes, I, I remember that. And 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 I know there's people all around going, it's the thing, it's the thing, they did the thing. And and that drives me nuts. That makes me sad for Star Wars and for the people who watch Star Wars. I mean I guess, you know, enjoy it however you you want to enjoy it. But, like, just, like, there's almost people who, like, I just want this to function on a surface level. And it's never functioned on a surface level, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the thing, it's so funny because, like, people, I I think so many people think the things that made Star Wars great are the, the cool little things that just happen in the background. Like, you know, a classic example is, you know, the the how the Mandalorian uh, uses R5-D4 and turns him into, like, this fucking superhero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, like, he's, and that's he's, fine. He's a piece you know, of like, equipment. I'm, if you he's, if you love it, like, that's great. I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, say that's I'm just imagining, like, for... Colton, like, crawling through the wall. Oh, like, yeah. I'm coming for y'all. Yeah, probably. Uh, like I'm not gonna shit on anyone for liking it, but just for me, I'm like that's that's set dressing. Like that's yeah. it's not the stuff he's that be- matters. He's better as a one-off <gasps> walk-on. Set dressing. <laughs> I mean, he is. He, he's I'm a plot device. He he is the there. Group. He is there to get R2D2 on the scene. That that is yep. that is what he's there for. And there yep. he wasn't even necessary for doing it. It was just a little, it was just a little to add a little tension to a moment, you know, yeah. and that's fine. And then then he blew up and then they took him and they recycled him. That's that's how that's how it should go. And and it makes it 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 ruins the immersiveness of it to me because the immersiveness of it was when I was a kid and I saw Star Wars. They'd never made anything like that 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 I'd seen mm-hmm. that just created this world is here. It's functioning. It's going on. We're jumping into it. And once you start recycling all that stuff, then it then it's just then it becomes just another like, you know, a media creation that, you know, and 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 that means everything that appears in it is some potential 
you know, that, you know, I could see someone at Disney going like R5, you know, I mean, he's kind of a cool design, you know, and if we got hit that, you know, there's toys not in that, you know, and, and, and people know who he is and why not give him a chance to, and there are people who are like, I'd like to see R5 story and stuff like that. It's like me. No, I, I, I like everybody I see. I, I, I mean, it's great. Like you go to a big city and you see everybody walking around of all different races and creeds and colors walking around and you go like every, you know, this, here's a mass of humanity and everybody's got their life and that's fascinating, but I don't want to go through and know everybody's life. You know, it's, yeah, sure. It, it's not necessary. It's, but, it, it, and, and it would kind of ruin everything, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, like the, the way Andor uses its background characters, you look at it, you're like, oh man, what is that guy? Like, at the, it, it is kind of the weird balance of like, I don't need, you know, the R5-D4 story. But at the same time, watching Andor, there's just like, you know, some random background alien that I'm like, whoa, what, what's his deal? What, I love you know? him because like, he like puts his hands up in like a bunny hop, like before oh, he that like guy. crosses yeah, 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 the yeah, street. Yeah. And he looks both ways and then he bunny hops off the curve and then he goes on his way. Like, he's amazing. I love him. I don't want to know more about him, but I love yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it makes the world feel alive and real yep. and and new and fresh. And like, that's like, I just, I cannot overemphasize the brilliance of Ferrix enough. Like, it is my, probably my favorite Star Wars planet now. Uh, just the fact that they built the entire set and like, I, I don't even think they, if they use the volume in the show, it's very little, but everything yeah. was practical. Like they built a city. Yeah. They, they, I think they said it was like five city blocks or something like that. Um, and there's, you know, obviously there is CGI, like, you know, the whole, they didn't construct the whole, uh, bell tower. Like some of that is CG extension. Uh, but yeah, they didn't use the volume. There, there's a couple instances where they use like LED panels for like Mon Mothma's apartment uh, for the like Coruscant background. They use that sort of technology. But yeah, they they weren't using the volume. And uh, the, Coruscant it, would look weird if it wasn't a good chunk of it CGI because that's how we sort of. Yeah, but at the same time, it. they also used a lot of real like not mm -hmm. even just practical sets. They used locations for Coruscant. Yes. Like they went yeah. to like an a old abandoned apartment complex for uh Cyril's apartment and you know they went to like a uh uh like popular like bus stop or train st I I don't know but like a public like, transit system that you know was used in uh the like uh spaceport you know bits mm -hmm. that Cyril arrives at um you know, there are so many like real practical locations, even for Coruscant. And it's just like, I, I, I cannot. It, it's just so amazing. <laughs> I can't that I love every single thing about the show. And that mm -hmm. and that's not even talking about the, the performances that pe like. Tell me about Kino Loy. Uh, Kino Listen, Loy. I, I, I do not think. Tea, go. I did not think it was possible for me to love a character more than Kanan Jarrus. And what Andy Serkis and Tony Gilroy and Bo Willimon and uh, uh, who directed those episodes shit. Um, I don't know. We uh, eight months ago. 
I know this. <laughs> um, I can't remember it right now, but the director of those episodes, what they were all able to accomplish together in three episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot oh, like overstate how how important that character and that character's journey is to me to like and and hearing tony gilroy talk about it like you know we on the surface level it is sort of like a political awakening of course of like you know someone who is being you who is a captive of the system but is also being used by the system to perpetrate the system um and is then turned into a revolutionary leader but the way Tony Gilroy has talked about it in uh, interviews is like he sees him as a religious character, uh, like the the um, the voice in the prison that is like uh, the floors are uh, online or, you, you know, the the big the booming voice is credited as the voice of God. Like if you look in the credits, it's called the voice of God. And he Tony Gilroy describes Keno Loy as like someone who has faith in this system like yeah he's a prisoner but he has faith that there is an afterlife that there is something after this and comes to the realization that his god is not here to help him uh, his god is not going to uh give him salvation he is here and will die here and his god is basically a glorified like mcdonald's manager <laughs> you know, basically. I will say I pulled this up for you. Uh, the director was Toby Haynes. Toby Haynes. God, what a friggin' brilliant man. I I can't like one way out is my favorite. Like, I mean, the whole prison arc is my favorite Star Wars movie. Uh, but one way out specifically is like <sighs> I cannot like I get chills just listening to the score. I get chills just thinking about Kino Loy's monologue and uh, all the prisoners running barefoot. Um, God, I'm getting a little bit choked up. Uh, the the just the that's so loud. <laughs> cry. The, the there was crying last episode. So <laughs> yeah, I mean it. it Certainly, I am a little bit biased because Andy Serkis is my favorite actor ever. Um, his, uh, not just because of Gollum, you know, The Lord of the Rings is very important to me, but for me specifically, it's uh, his Planet of the Apes trilogy. Yeah. And the work he did as Caesar. Oh, yeah. Um, the, those movies are. They but, don't get the credit they deserve. They're similar to Andor, where yeah. they took they took Planet of the Apes and they improved upon it. Like Yeah. Like the incredibly, fact that they took a popular, you know, decades old franchise and completely revitalized it and made it relevant for modern audiences while having the stuff like, you know, the it first can movie, still fit. The yeah. first movie ends, you know, with apes on horseback holding guns like that. That is it still has the stuff that you like about Planet of the Apes, but it's uh it's just so relevant and real and and true and honest in this like wacky sci-fi concept. It's it's amazing. But this is not a Planet of the Apes podcast, so I I, I won't uh, gush too much. 
but I mean, it, I still have Jesus in team. <laughs> I just I love Andy so much, and he he is one of the most talented actors working today. Like I was just I, I literally did just uh, watch Rise of the Planet of the Apes the other day, and like the fact how that man did not get nominated for all three of those performances because he was in a Planet of the Apes movie. That's all. Yeah. That's the only reason that that it, that happened. You know, yeah. it's the same reason that like when everybody's complaining about why Barbie isn't getting any, you know, getting the the Oscar, you know, attention that it should. It's not going to. It's a movie about a Barbie doll, you know, that. Yeah. The people well, I mean, who there, I do think Oscars, the problem is more about sexism because you, Barbie did get um, some recognition. But uh, most of the women who made that movie successful did not. Uh, right. Right. So. Uh, right. It's it's about the pe- it's 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 about the people who vote for the Oscars are not, you know, not really film buffs. You would even though they're in the industry, you know, they're they're more about like they're more about like we better choose this, you know, choose the right one that's the 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 most, you know, serious or, you know, they 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 do it for for certain you know, reasons of why they, they would want, you know, this, is this movie important? Is Barbie important enough? And, sure. and if it's, if it's in a, if it's a genre movie instantly, they're like, you know, yeah. no matter how good that is, you know, the closest that ever, that anybody ever came to that was, I think Fury Road, the Mad Max mm. movie yeah. got a bunch of Oscars and mostly because George Miller was, is, has also done other movies that weren't genre movies too, so they could safely, yeah. And he's old, and they're like, okay, we can we can give George Miller his credit for this and and all yeah. that instead but, of just like it's a fantastic movie or whatever. Yeah, for sure. I, I just I I don't know. Like I love I love genre uh, fiction so much, and the way you know again andor is just it was just a really refreshing reminder of why i love yeah uh, genre fiction and what you can do and like it it follows it follows the rules but also breaks them yeah um similar i mean my favorite star wars movie is the last jedi and it, again very very similar of like it fo- it does follow the rules of what a star war is but it also breaks those rules yeah. in really interesting and uh, unexpected ways. And Andor is very much the same. Like, I think yeah, we're, we're going to have, you know, big action set pieces, but we're going to make them matter. Like, you know, the fact that in the Aldani arc, you have just one pass of a TIE fighter and it's the most terrifying thing I've ever mm-hmm. seen. It's horrifying. <laughs> in Star Wars. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Like the they they made and like the way they ramp it up is so brilliant. Like you don't see a stormtrooper on screen until episode seven, I think. Um, and like the fact that the first arc is so horrifying, you know, that the third episode reckoning is, you know, it these pre-more cops are like fucking terrifying fascists and they're and then you realize they're just mall cops, which mm-hmm. inadvertently makes the empire a thousand times scarier. Because yep. if, yeah. if the mall cops are fucking terrifying, like, what is the actual military of the galaxy like? 
Yeah, yeah, these are just these are just like the 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 foot soldiered hired guns. But that's that's classic fascism too. Is that the, those people are empowered from mall cops to like they can shoot somebody and they will. Yeah, <laughs> they're 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 probably more dangerous than you know a uh, dyed in the wool imperial. You know who might you know who isn't as much about the power. You know he's about power tripping. He or she is about power tripping on a much higher level. You know sure. they're about like controlling this planet. Whereas the mall cops just want to beat somebody up and have somebody kiss their butt, you know, when yeah. whenever they see them. But yeah, uh, to bring it back to the the original question, yeah, Kino Loy is uh, he's just he's my favorite character, and if I ever Andy Circus is the only actor I would pay to wait in line to get a picture with. Uh, and if I ever do, I won't even need the picture. I just want to thank the man yeah. uh, for Kino Loy. I mean, for all of his work, but specifically Kino Loy. Like, seeing a man just completely broken down by the system he's in and waking up and then, you know, seeing him be supported by Cassian to to be the leader that he's supposed to be, which of course, you know, that whole arc is just a microcosm of what Cassian will then do in Rogue One. Um, is, you know, he gets to be the, he he supports the leaders to do the thing so that other people can be free. You know, it's, it's, it's both of the incredible monologues in that episode of, you know, it, it doesn't matter if we die, like we have to, we have to uh, try, we have to uh, take yeah, the they're... system down no matter what. And even if we fail, the fight is still worth it. Like that's- I'm sliding in just to say, put a note, like a pin in that word try, because it will be addressed in my notes. Yes, this episode. absolutely. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it, it's such an, the fact that Star Wars went there is like really it's really unexpected and and meaningful because so much of star wars is you know the fight against tyranny and fascism and the good guys always win and that is important we need to see that we need to have the hope that that can happen but what andor brilliantly does is it shows that the fight itself is worth it whether or not we win right if, like fighting fascism is important whether or not we succeed like the evil must be fought even if it cannot be beaten and that's just the brilliance yeah, the, of the, the, the prison arc just illustrated that perfectly it's like well you could not fight this but you're just going to get worked till you die and that's yep. going to be it you're going to be you're going to be in this thing where you're in this you know you're going to be, I mean, you know, it was a, you're going to be in this prison, whether it was a, a real prison in this or just the metaphorical prison. And there's, if, if you just stay there, you're just going to stay there till you're used up because you are, you're a cog at this point. And, and so if you don't do it, if you die, you're going to at least die trying not to do that, you yep. know? And if you don't, then you're not doing that. And that's, you know, yeah. Yeah, there, I ha I have some notes in the third from the third act in 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 those regards. Yeah, 
Uh, but yeah, I, I, I can, I could go on forever. I, I love Andor so much. I, I mean, that is the entire reason I wanted you to come on specifically, the, <laughs> specifically the finale, because that very much, um, like is the, I knew that, like, coming on the finale episode with you, that I, when I ask you, what do you love about Andor, it'd be, like, the perfect summary of the show. And I, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, I don't need to do any work. <laughs> 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 so, thank you for making my day much easier. And I actually, I actually, as you guys were um, talking, I was... <laughs> Charles sent me a message and I I wrote him back. Listen, Robin has been talking about Andor for 20 minutes and it's the best episode of JK. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, right. Well, are you two ready to get into Rick's road? I am. Fuck the empire. Let's do this. Let's smash some fascists with bricks. So, <clears throat> Andor episode 12, uh, Rick's Road, is... <laughs> I did not change my outline. It's fine, everybody. Andor episode 12, Rick's Road, aired on November 22nd, 2022. It was written by Tony Gilroyd and directed by Benjamin Karen. Some extra information for you. Davo Scotland's wife, Ronnie, and his son, Stekin. <laughs> I did not practice. It's fine are played by Rosalind Halstead and Finley Glasgow. This episode had almost had Star Wars' first F-bomb. Marva originally ended her speech yelling, Fuck the Empire. Dedra's actor Denise Gao said in an interview that it was such an amazing moment to hear Fiona Shaw yell, Fuck the Empire, and then she immediately followed up thinking, there was no way Disney was going to let us keep this in the episode. <laughs> and finally... The episode heavily relies on diegetic music, which was recorded on set and required meticulous planning to make sure everyone was in their spots to record it live. If you actually listen to the soundtrack with headphones, you can hear the gravel under their boots as it's being recorded. The musical number was also hinted at in the title card as the same style of music was used in the theme. Okay, Robin, I'm going to prep you. Ready? Okay. You're going to meet our third podcaster. All right. He's kind of a lot. Here's your uh, complimentary water bottle. And if he gets to be too much, you just go psh, psh, and he'll back off. Okay. Oh, okay. I got it. I got it. Uh, he is recovering from a foot fungus from last week. So don't let him recovering. Touch Not recovering. Mm. Don't, don't let him touch you. Yoda has been pouring sugar on my foot fungus. I had to send Charles to the hospital because he sat oh. on Charles's lap. Yeah, please uh, don't don't touch me. I don't I don't consent. Don't that. like uh, foot fungus? No, no, nope, I'm good. Yeah. Hi Yoda. Yoda. Nope, Yoda. I'm good. Nope. Yoda. Yoda. Nice to meet yep. you. It you does. Stay over there. I'm good. Once thank you. Thank foot you. Foot fungus likes to kiss Remember people. Remember your spray no, bottle. Thank you. Remember thank your spray you. bottle. You have a spray bottle. Uh, you can use it also if you just want a power trip on Yoda. I do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll make sure I. Power trip on Yoda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See so how he backs up. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm, spray some of that on Yoda's feet. Mm. No, no, yum, yum. Nope, nope. no. Hey, Yoda, no, no speed Yoda. over there. You keep him over there. Yoda, hi. Greetings. Look at the shiny thing. Hi. Um, ooh, ooh, ooh. So this is Robin. They are our guests. You're going to be nice to them, and they, uh, they had. When has Yoda never been nice to guests? Guests have squirted Yoda, but Yoda never squirted guests. When I had to pay Charles's hospital bill for his fungus. Mm. 
Anyway. Should have communed with his foot fungus, Charles should have. Mm. I, look, I know yours has midichlorians, his does not. Anyway, Robin, this is the great Master Yoda who is, at this point, 900 years old. He is so wise. And I was and wondering. Change. And change. Yes. And change. Yoda yes. Likes to, Yoda likes to say, make a little joke. <laughs> And I was wondering if you ever had a question for the great wise Master Yoda. Oh, oh, oh question. Mm. Yoda likes Quest questions. A question mm. for Yoda. Mm. Mm -mm. Um, Lots of experience. Approximately. Many people like to ask Yoda a question, pick him up and shake him like a magic eight ball. Yeah, I'm not touching you. Um, <laughs> Yoda tried. Uh, approximately. How many Jedi are kinky? Oh! <laughs> we did. You don't know this. We had a long conversation about how Duchess Satine definitely stuck her, her big toe up Kenobi's butt last week. Yep. Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yep. Yeah. He's, he, he's definitely. Get in line with her. that with Kenobi. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got by her a little bit. Yes. Yes. Everybody knew what Kenobi liked. Mm hmm. Many things. <laughs> what one does not become a Jedi without being a little, you know, a little weird, a little weird around the edges. Well, it's all of yes. them. When, well, eventually, yes. <laughs> Midichlorians, not very vanilla. Don't like that stuff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, midichlorians, kind of weirdos. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I have heard that the force surrounds us and penetrates us. So penetrates and sense. binds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah it yeah yes. it binds the galaxy together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So yeah, it's all of them. Okay. Yeah. In, mm -hmm. Inside everybody is a couple of midichlorians popping around. Some people more, some people less. You yeah. know, some people just like little toe up their butt. Some people. <laughs> Like Yoda, with many, 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 many different midichlorians. Mm. I thought you were going to say many different toes. And toes, too, <laughs> yes. Now Yoda has more midichlorians in the foot fungus midichlorians. <laughs> Yoda thinks he got them from, from Mama Hut. And oh, did you, you use see what, what Hut midichlorians do. Did <laughs> you use her as a slip and slide again? Maybe. Maybe. Honey, we talked about this. We can't keep paying the huts. Uh, paying them? Yoda thought it was for free. Yoda just thought it was because they liked Yoda. No, and no. Paying I mean, them, you have? No. Oh, oh, there. Mama oh, Hut really. Oh. No, she loves. Oh, there. She there loves you goes. very much. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Love is mm -hmm. the word. Very much yeah. so. She, you are. You're her favorite, whatever you are. She definitely does not like Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, why, why don't you just go, go Fuck off? Grogu. <laughs> Can say that on Disney? Oh, Yoda doesn't have contract with Disney anymore. Fuck Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to send you on your way. We got to start talking about the episode. Uh, please go, please take the medicine we gave you. They are chewy don't, vitamins. Don't want to talk about kinky Jedi things anymore? No, you need to talk about, you know what's really kinky? Taking your medicine. Yeah. That's hot. Yeah, hot. <laughs> so hot. 
Oh, you're so tricky you are. Yeah, no, Tetrachioda. No, they're the gummies, though. And I know how much you like your gummies. Go... Yoda has special gummies. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. I know you do. Is Disney okay. gonna gonna make us uh, have Yoda come back in and re-record so he said fight Grogu? Maybe. Maybe. No, they don't pay us enough. I'm not that big of a <laughs> Disney show, so. Mm, haven't found us yet, Disney has. <laughs> Ten years going, they haven't found us yet. <laughs> All right, well, bye, Yoda. We'll see you next bye, time. Bye, Yoda. It was lovely to meet you. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's just, you know, you gotta sometimes roll. Yeah, you know, you, you know. You get to that point, so. But, Chris, I did I did mix in his gummy medicine and with his special gummy, so hopefully that foot fungus will get taken care of sooner rather than later. You so. hope. You wish. Yeah. Well, I mean, he eats them like fucking Skittles, so hopefully. If you try to poison his foot fungus and it gets back to Yoda. He doesn't yeah. listen to the show. I'm saying his foot found, you know, his foot, he's talking with the foot fungus and they're just like, yeah, you know. Yeah. Listen, it's what we had to do to keep Charles from suing us and paying his... <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, we, we I don't know. I was kind of looking forward to that court case, to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Your Go Honor, Charles in a court of law. <laughs> Your Honor, is it really dangerous foot fungus if it's space foot fungus? <laughs> I can hear him now. Be like, yes, yes, it really is dangerous. <laughs> Should you bring someone to court that no jail could ever hold? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, are y'all ready to get into Act One? Hell yeah! All Let's right, do it. Also, feel free to laugh if you want. It makes me feel better. So, but don't like <laughs> fake laugh. <laughs> don't, don't like lie or fake laugh. You know, because then I ha 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 ha. That's why they pay you the big bucks, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Where? <laughs> right, right. You know the mysterious them. Anyway. Yep. <clears throat> Act one. So we open with Dedra arriving in the rain hellscape of Ferrix, and she gets off the thing and she's just like, hey everybody, here's my death troopers, you know. Rogue One reference. Cool. And she has arrived because everyone on Ferrix is preparing for Marva's funeral. Wilmon Pack is building a bomb with his photo with a photo of his dad on the table, and he's like, I miss you, Dad. I love you very much. I'm gonna go blow all of them up. And from the force, uh, his dad is just like, Good job, son. And uh, Zanwin uh, makes up with Brasso, and he's like, Brasso, Cassian is here, coming, he's coming, coming, but not, you know, not like, yeah, like, like Jedi stuff, but, like, he's just coming here. Um, and Brasso's like, shh, shh, don't let anyone hear you, especially Nurchie, and they look over at Nurchie, and Nurchie's in the corner, just like, hey, and they're like, hey. And then they, and they go off, and then Nurchie gets Zanwin drunk, because of course he does, because we all hate Nurchie, and he dies in this episode, it's great. Meanwhile, on Coruscant, Mon Mothma is uh, waiting outside her car, and she's like in the car, and Perrin comes in, and she's like, Perrin, are you ready? He's like, oh, for what? And she's like, I'll talk. He's like, oh, I hate these. <laughs> Please get me out, Cloris. Cloris, save me. And Cloris is like, I work for the Empire, dude. I'm listening to. Do the talk. And he's like, Cloris, no, you're my bro. I threw your dinner party. And and essentially, Mon Mothma's like, you're gambling again. Cloris, did you hear how much he's gambling? Cloris, 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 he's gambling. Make sure you tell your ISB friends he's gambling, okay? <laughs> and he's like, okay. 
So anyway, Cinta uh, comes back to her room and Vel is there and Vel's like, hey, can we like be girlfriends? And Cinta's like, no! <laughs> can you at least tell me how I am and that I'm pretty? I'm pretty, right? Come away from the window. Let's have a bang. You want to do a <laughs> sex with me? And since it's like, okay, I'll do a sex with you. And then they probably bang before the night before everything goes to shit. Because of course they do. Because hooray, lesbians. Anyway, in all this, Cassian comes home and he goes to his father's funeral brick. And every time we get a Clem scene, they're amazing. And we need so much more Clem. And I hope we get so many more in season two because Clem scenes are the best. Uh, and he learns a very valuable lesson. And he finds out also that Bix has been captured by the Empire. During all this, though, we go to the next day, and Dedra is, like, planning this, like, big thing with her men. And she's just like, all right, here's the box. Here's the box for trapping the men. The box this is the cool box. We're going to have no snipers for the box. Because if I have to tell one goddamn person one more time that we need Cassian alive, I'm going to rebel against all of you. And they're like, no, you're not, ma'am. And she's like, you're right. I am the biggest Nazi in the room. You all suck. Anyway, where's my, <laughs> my boy hurt? Anyway. Uh... And so everyone is starting to arrive for the funeral. Like, Luthen gets to Ferrix, and he's just like, sup, lesbians? And they're like, hey, Luthen. He's like, make sure you kill Cassian. And Bill's like, oh, okay. Um, and then Insult King Cyril Karn shows up with his friend Linus Mosk, and they have this cute little hat trading scene that I absolutely love. And Cyril's like, oh, thanks for your hat, bro. I'm going to totally leave you for the first time when I see my lady justice lady person that I get hard-ons for because I've never seen her touch a real woman in my life. And Linus is like, okay. Oh, anyway, uh, Brasso then meets up with Cassian, and Cassian is like, I've missed you so much! And Brasso's like, bro, bro, Marvel loved you so much! He's like, bro, don't tell me that! He's like, bro, but it's true, she loved you so much! He's like, thanks for taking my mom's funeral thing, I'm gonna go save Bix! And he's like, okay, I will cover for you and take care of everything else, she loved you very much, and here's your... You know, here's your bro hug. And then they hug and the music swells and in another round they're fucking, it's fine. Um, and so finally, <laughs> everyone starts coming together. Luthen comes to Vel. Nurchi thinks Cassian's in, a ca- in the tower nearby. The Empire's starting to kind of flush people out. No one's really happy about this. And then suddenly, they hear the sound of an anvil as the time grappler hits his anvil and signals that the funeral is starting early and off in the distance everyone starts hearing music play what did we think of act one um robin you're our guest what is your thoughts of act one? Oh gosh uh, that's so much story all already um right i, I yeah. you can, in my notes i was like and that's the end of the action i was like wait there are like seven more minutes yep. <laughs> like, yeah this there's... is our issue with andor it's like it, there are no short episodes because there's so much packed in like 10 minutes. It's so good. Again, that's just the the brilliance of the writing and the editing is like every episode does feel like a full meal. Like they do. <laughs> sometimes when you say something feels longer than it is, that's like a negative of like it was like really dragging on. But Andor feels longer than it is in a good way in that like every it's just full like it is it is a like it's like a really good uh like um a nice southern style meal with like the whole fixings and everything yeah but it's also it's like it's Mm. like a a a small meat like 
uh, what's the word? Like a filet mignon. Like, you know, like it's, yes. a, it's a tiny piece of That's, meat, but it is very filling. But, like, but, but a, a great chef prepared it. And yeah. Yeah. And it has like when you when you bite into it, it like every mouthful has a bunch of different flavors that all work together in harmony to make it. Uh, yes. Yeah. I didn't even mention Nimick's journal in the scene. Oh, God. Uh, um, you are the guest and you're allowed to say, hey, I want to just go off your notes and I'll just comment or you could just talk <laughs> or whatever. I don't care. You're the yeah. guest. You get to tell us what to do. Remember, all right. Uh, just to shut the fuck up, Chris Rilla. <laughs> no, I just I, I, I love this episode so much. Um, the. Uh, God, now I'm I love I I love the uh, like you said, the Clem moment is brilliant. I love how many um, building off of uh, Luthen's monologue at the end of um, One Way Out, where he says, I share my dreams with ghosts. Uh, there are three monologues in this episode, and they're all from dead people. And holy the- shit, you're right. Yeah. 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 So he. Think of that. Yeah, he's he is sharing his dreams with ghosts. He he is, uh, you know, he gets to go and see Clem's brick. He listens to Nemec's journal. He, you know, hears Marva's uh, eulogy of herself um, through hologram. So he is he is sharing the dream of dead people of ghosts. The, the kid who's making a bomb is making a bomb with the ghost of his dad. Yeah. Sitting yeah, there has, looking at him, you know, watching him has, as he uh, makes a bomb. Yep. Ah, oh, God, what a fucking brilliant opening, too, of just, like, seeing this kid. Again, how, <laughs> like, and just a brilliant actor, too, of how much that kid can do with his face. Um he has uh, so, just, like, little dialogue all season yep. one, too. But, like, the actor that plays woman, like... Um, and, and, like oh, no, basically his his script would just have his name and then it would say, Seethe. He's <laughs> <laughs> seething right now. Yeah. But he he's so brilliant. And, again, what I love that Andor does is it, it gives... Even in just a moment, gives these characters just, like, full lives to the point where, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of dialogue throughout the... Uh, season and doesn't even have a lot of screen time but by the end when he is you know uh, I guess spoilers for the end uh, but when he is uh, leaving with uh, Brasso and Bix uh, and and the crew you feel like like that makes sense like he is important enough to be there like the the fact that they are able to just in, in these small moments give these characters full lives the fact that i know so many of these characters names just offhand without needing to look them up like i could name i don't know there's like what they say like almost 200 named characters in the show i couldn't name all 200 of them to be sure but i could name a lot just off the dome uh because of just how impactful they were to me um like, you know, Zan, uh, Brasso, Nurchie, like, and yeah, Nurchie sucks. We hate Nurchie, but uh, snitches get stitches. Uh, 
But they all play but, like a very like specific role in in the narrative. Like yeah, the, the whole like there's so many p- different people being radical radicalized in different ways in the show. Like Cyril is radicalized towards the Empire in the very different way that uh, Cassian's being radicalized for the um for the rebellion. But with someone like Wilman, he probably would have never fought in the rebellion if they hadn't have lynched his dad. And yeah. That was a very, like, he probably would have just, like, continued with his dad's shop, probably took over his dad's shop, probably would have had a kid of his own to pass down his dad's shop, and that would have been his life if it wasn't for the invasion of these, like, fascist assholes on his planet, forcing him to radicalize. And he represents those young children who are faced, who have to face war far too young because it's come to their doorstep. I think that's one of the most audacious things they've done in the show because in the political climate that we've lived in our entire lives in America, you don't see you the, the motivation for for a young guy building a a bomb to throw at somebody or to blow something up is never is never given like a a a reason that you can identify with. You know yeah. what I mean? It's always like they're the bad guy. They hate they hate what what or, can or I say? Like they a, they, they like hate the freedom that the type. empire gives them. They hate the the freedom that the empire gives them so they want to blow it up. It's like, no. This guy this guy's making his bomb and you know, that's it's almost like it not almost. It's his mourning process. He's mourning a dead family member, which is something like Everybody has family members, you know, and uh, th- 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 when you're watching this kid build a bomb, you're going like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> build yeah. that bomb. You know, so <laughs> we don't we don't see, you know, yeah, people building bombs as like a positive thing a, in, in so many a stories, sympathetic but, character. Yeah. yeah. And that is that is like I'm I'm frankly surprised that they got away with that in this sto- and and. It, the only reason they got away with it is it's couched in a space drama story. Yeah, and, well, uh, and also I do think weirdly the uh, the uh, Cassian is kind of right in that like the the Empire uh, doesn't need to care. They're like, and, and I kind of see that as you know. Uh, you know, big corporation Disney. Like we ask, like how how could this show be made by the Disney Corporation? And it's like they 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 don't care. They're they're it's too big. Like they, 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 they're say, fine. They're fine making this because you know they're. It they makes some if this makes some money. That you yeah. know, it's it's about money for Disney. You yeah. know, let's face I, it. You know, and I will and, say I was um, doing a little reading, and Tony Gilroy did say that they did get a lot of calls from standards and practices. So what we have is as far as they could have gone, because that is out yep. as far as they pushed. Yep. But they well, did they, get they, calls from S and P. I, I I honestly I think that I I'm glad they didn't put the fuck. The Empire in there. It would have been oh, really disagree. cool. I would have enjoyed. <laughs> I would have enjoyed the hell out of it, but I would have had to listen to listen to everybody cry about it uh, forever. Well, uh, for that, forever. Yeah, that is true. But one of the I, one of the things I love about Andor is, I mean, I'm sure there are haters of Andor, but like the the worst I've heard are people who are like, I'm just not going to watch it because it doesn't look interesting to me. I haven't, and then like usually down the line, that that like 
as all the all the Star Wars haters who like I've never watched any more Star Wars. I'm done with Star Wars. They all watch it all, and you can't deny the power of the writing of the show. Yeah, and what I love about it is it has all the elements that the haters hate on Star Wars about. You know the 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 besides the just the ones that are like are stupid and don't know how films are made and are like why <laughs> do this but like all the like political issues that they say are being crammed down their throat in in Star Wars it was almost like this show was like okay here they are but yeah. it doesn't cram them down your throat it it it, it just spoonful, is it's spoonful of sugar it gets you caught up in it and if you get people caught up in a story They'll watch anything and they won't even know that, that they won't even be like, there's a lot of, did you notice there's a lot of girls in this? You know, why is, <laughs> why is the, the, the most focused on Imperial a, a girl? What is up with that? You know, I, I don't remember that from A New Hope, you know, that none of that's ever going to figure in there because her character is so strong and so well presented and acted and written that. They don't think they don't have time to think to be distracted to think about like all their baggage that they put on it. You get sucked into the show, and uh, you know. And I, I I think if the the care and and time had been put into a lot of the more recent Disney Star Wars, you wouldn't have as much of those problems because good writing is good writing and. I mean, this is this is the best written Star Wars ever, ever put, you know, ever, you know, maybe short of the Empire Strikes Back is a pretty, pretty tight script, but it's a different sort of thing altogether. This this sits with like good, you know, like modern the the best of modern tv like breaking bad and stuff like that, you know, I mean, that's why you get the guy who made Michael Clayton to make your star wars show yeah that's i mean that script is fucking brilliant and if you haven't seen michael clayton please watch it it's an incredible movie it's Um, been on my list and i'd forgotten about it since uh um yeah he now now i remember i'm writing it down again (laughs) Tony, tony gilroy i just i love just how much reality he puts into the script like he he is clearly a man who has lived a life, a real life, and has things to say about the life he has lived in the world he exists in uh, beyond just Star Wars. You know, it, you know what I was saying before. It's like this is a Star Wars that's about life yeah. and it's not just about Star Wars. I mean, a lot of people pulled into Star Wars now are like, I've been a Star Wars fan all my life and now I get to play with the toys. He yep. doesn't care about the toys. He's just, Tony like, was oh, just oh. like, I love the interviews where Tony's just like, it was fine. Yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. He's like, you know, I didn't hate it. I was like, I wasn't Star Wars averse. Uh, he's like, I was Star Wars negligent. He just like did, didn't, uh, you know, it wasn't. He's like, I saw See, the first one in theaters. It was like <laughs> not to not to cross the streams into Star Trek, but Star Trek has been chasing the wrath of Khan ever since that movie came out because all the critics were like this is this is great and it was great star trek and the reason was they picked a filmmaker who wrote the screenplay who 
was not a Star Trek fan. They hired, they like, this guy's a good director. He's a good genre director and he's a good writer. Let's pull him in. And then he had to go in and catch up on his Star Trek. And, and then he had to sit there and think, all right, what is Star Trek about as somebody, just an outsider with no baggage? And then he made the movie in that format, you know, as someone who was like, I'm going to make a Star Trek movie. But it was well written and it yeah. had like a strong character arcs and everything, you know, meant something to what it was. And and they've been just trying to copy it by going like, maybe we can bring Khan back, you know, it, it, and the, there's just this. It's so funny that Hollywood can exist for so long without even knowing why when they do something good, why it was good, you know, right. It's just I, I it just shows the importance of like, you know, having, you know, hiring such brilliant and precise filmmakers with a clear vision, uh, but who are also great collaborators. Like one of the great things is I, you know, I have just drowned myself in Tony Gilroy interviews and uh, he talks a lot about how like everyone's idea is valuable. Like he he does listen to. Yeah every idea and if it works then he's like yeah we're gonna put it in the show but if it doesn't you know that's all right that's thank you for your idea but we're gonna do something different uh, like he talks all the time about his like first and greatest collaborator is luke hall the production designer like i i yeah. never really heard a filmmaker talk up their production designer that much before like but i don't think there is a tony gilroy interview about andor where he doesn't mention luke hall um, in, I mean, you just see it like the sets are absolutely incredible. Uh, and like the way they're able to maneuver throughout barracks in this episode, uh, is brilliant. And that like the way they're able to just go from location to location, I just, I, I love, I love this episode so much. Um, and yeah, Nemex manifesto. Yeah. Let's talk about Nemex for a second. So like that's. <sighs> First of all, I wish they would publish it. Like, like, give me like, an actual book of it, yeah. please. And to let Tony Gilroy write it. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say you're gonna have to you're gonna make get a good writer for it because like a hack writer could really like mess it up, you know. Yeah. And but, and I, and I think they're afraid of if they wrote a star like if they really if if somebody really sat down and they got a good writer and like can you, you need to write a, a, a revolution going off about it. Huh? They would, the fandom menace would have a field day. <laughs> they would. No, they wouldn't. You know why? Because it requires reading something. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. And, that and would that's, be... that's funny, but it's true. And it's absolutely true. They're not going to sit down and read a book to, to, to critique it, you know? Yeah. As ironic as it is to, um, wish this for a piece of like anti-capitalist anti-imperialist literature it would be a good thing to include in my like dream version of a like deluxe box set of both seasons like once both seasons of andor are out i have this vision in my head of like a deluxe collector's edition box set of both seasons of andor and rogue one and it's in the like data tape container from uh rogue oh one. that's right they they could listen to it yeah yeah yeah, and that's that's like my that that would be how it would be uh, preserved, and they could put the the uh, Nemex manifesto in there as well. 
It'll be like, yeah. you know, a thousand dollars more work for and that I would pay too. it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I get the actor to record it. So get that actor, pa- get that actor paid. He was only in a couple episodes, you know, he might as well get some more Star Wars money. Dynamic, he ain't coming, and he ain't coming back either. <laughs> you know? I adore that boy. He is my sweet communist revolutionary baby boy. You know what my greatest uh, fear is, is. Disney finally realizes over the course of time as Andor gets, you know, as it seasons and people start realizing how great it is. And Disney's like, maybe that doctor could have cloned Nemec and, uh, you you know, (laughs) somehow Nemec returned somehow. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Dark science cloning. And he's got spider feet. Mechanical <laughs> comes out like Maul. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's brought back to life by some communist night sister and starts like shredding <laughs> stormtroopers while spitting out catchphrases. You know, oh Mar- Marin finds his manifesto and resurrects him. Hell yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Oh my god. Anyway, <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I'm Spider Nimic, like Spider Maul. Spider Nimic. Spider Nimic. But like Spider Maul. A, Di- like a, a Disney Plus original series, Spider Nimic. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's going to pop up in the next Spider Verse movie, like in the background. <laughs> the weird thing is, one, one, one of my good friends who used to be in a band with me was named Jason Nemec. And when he was young, he looked pretty much just like Nemec. So it's really weird to to see that. Maybe all Nimics are the same. Maybe it's he was he was he was kind of spicy in in the in the politics area. So it's the Nimic multiverse. So <laughs> let's write it. Um, the one thing I wanted to note about Nimic's journal was the the lesson of try because he keep he, like he was saying like at the end of the day like and as you were saying earlier, Robin like even if you lose, you have to try. It and moves I, your line forward just a little bit. And what I found so in, like uh, interesting about that line is it's so opposite of what we find he, we heard from Yoda, where he said, do or do not, there is no try. And it just feels like such uh, an anti-Star Wars thing. And then the Honestly, now that about, Yoda's around, I'm going to say that's one of Yoda's dumbest lines. It is one of Yoda's <laughs> dumbest lines. Because the thing about trying is me personally like i would rather try and fail than not try at all because at least an effort is being made to be better you can't succeed without trying and failing unless you're like unless you're just like one of the one in 10 million that live you know uh, a you know a lucky lucky life you know you you gotta fail or else you're you're never gonna figure out anything you know yeah, and and I think that's why, of course, you know, later in the Last Jedi, we get the whole like failure is the best teacher from Yoda and stuff like that. So like, I hope he had learned. But well, I think Yoda was talking about. I I like to think of it as Yoda was talking about it in just a very specific. When you use the Force, you can't use the Force without confidence. You have to have. Basically, it was a faith thing in the you know a statement of faith in the Force is. You you can't force it, but you know, and you can't just sort of like half-ass it. You have to just sort of be what you you have to churn it and 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 be one with the force if yeah. you're gonna do it. Yeah, I kind of view that line as more of like an aspirational thing of like 
you know, yeah. you need you need to just do it. And like, but of course, it, but it's I, been taken literally ever since, and yeah, it drives me nuts. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I love I love that Nemec line. I love the whole manifesto. Like, it's, uh, I I yeah, it's just it is so important to hear that of like we have to try. Like it does it doesn't matter uh, how hard they come down on us. Uh, you you have to. Uh, because there, there is no, the only other option is being stepped on, you know, it's, they're going to uh, come what, down regardless. Yeah. It's what Cassian tells, uh, uh, Kino Loy and what Kino Loy says to everyone else. It's like, we will either, we can die in here. We like, we can die trying to take them down or we can die giving them what they want. Uh, and, and I would rather die trying to take them down. Like if we're. If the situation seems so hopeless that we will likely fail, I would rather fail at trying to take them down than just be killed by the system existing. Like it does if if they don't fall, I would rather be the ones be a part of the ones who tried to take them down, even if they win you know oh yeah 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 yeah. um so i do also want to talk about a little bit by the way chris do you have any notes oh i do have a few okay i think i think bob dylan got quoted in this episode what yeah when um when uh mom mothma's cousin comes in and what's her first sign is come away from the window which is the first line from "It Ain't Me, Babe" by jo- Bob? D- I heard that. I heard her say it. when I heard it, it. It just immediately I heard that song in my head, and I'm like, "Did he just quote a Bob Dylan line?" Then I started started thinking about the song, and it was about somebody, you know, it, it was about somebody telling somebody who's trying to be in a relationship with him that it's like, it's not the time or place. I'm on a different, I'm on a different wavelength than you, and you think that. You know, we're going to have a relationship like this. It ain't going to be like this. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> that very well might be a quote from that song because that song kind of feels a lot like their relationship. All I'm hearing we're, is we're, that this is the song of the episode. We're the we're the <laughs> most we're the most privileged. Uh, we're, we're the more privileged person in, in the situation is like, hey, you know, maybe we should take a little time, time out and make out a little bit. And it's just like, look, <laughs> <laughs> we're about ready to shred some stormtroopers, you know, back off, you know, that's that's number two on the list. Or number three or number four, it's not on the top of her list. <laughs> um, I do want to touch on like Clem's black flashback because. We don't we don't get enough Clem, but when we do, they're so good, and there's always something to like be put into like Cassian's journey. And what I like about this flashback, right before we go into Nimic's journal, is he's essentially teaching Cassian the lesson of Nimic's journal because um, he's you know the whole sorry words. I was like, what did I write here? What are words? What words did I write? <laughs> this like thing that he's teaching Cassian how to clean. He was like, we we do this so we don't have to rely on like the capitalist power structure. They're gonna make new ones that are gonna break in six months. But these are like Nokia phones that they still work like decades later, and we can get like five hundred bucks from them. 
And so he's already like teaching him, his son, how to look past these structures. But the one thing I really liked about this, and I'm going to come back into Act 3 this too, because it kind of pairs well with Marva's speech. Um, he says people don't look down the way they should. They should look past the rust. And what I liked about that is it feels like the opposite of where Jen is at at the beginning of Rogue One, because Saul asks her, you know, like, how can you live under Imperial flags? And she says, you just don't look up. And it just felt like a nice kind of like poetry or rhymes moment there. But not looking past the rust very much pairs well with Marva's speech, which I will come back to when she talks about how there is a rust eating away at Ferrix. And so with, between these two, they have these moments where they're both telling like their son and their people in the community, you know, you have to look past this rust. You have to get underneath it. You got to get to the core of it. Because if you don't get to the core of it, not only can you not save your these things being the very literal things that Clem is cleaning, but you also can't save yourself. You can't save your people. You can't save your home if you're not willing to get past that rust first and put in the work, putting in the work as Nimick say, says, try to get past this, to find, have something better underneath. Symbolism. Yeah, it's, it, it's really beautiful. I, I love the, well, because I mean, that is also the, the message of the show too. Like, you know, it's, it's about the little people. It's, it's about, you know, the people in the background. It's about, you know, the people that, no one wanted to pay attention to uh Luke you know skywalker and han solo and princess leia are the mythology these are the yeah. people who like got the shit done yep yeah it's that's that's exactly it it's that that is clem is just saying like hey look look past the thing that is obvious like look past the rust look past the thing that is uh because like you know you think about rust it is like the coating on top of metal it is like brightly colored it is like the thing that is like most visible uh but if you look underneath it there is something even more profound and more beautiful um and yeah. i think that From is something just a... that's been discarded yeah yeah and i i just i think that's a really really beautiful message uh just uh on both a sort of political level, a personal level, and also like that sort of like metatextual level as well. It's it's Tony Gilroy's writing. Yeah, my favorite my favorite line from the from the from the book is uh, tyranny's hard to maintain because it's unnatural. Yeah, and I, I love that line because that's basically what that's basically the 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 struggle between tyranny and not tyranny is tyranny. Tyranny tries to sell the story that, you know, what is na what's natural is the law of the jungle. Power is 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 what's natural and and what's natural is the powerful um, dominate everything. And uh, which is completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, even, you know, the, the, in nature, the powerful are powerful and like, you know, the, the lions are eating the gazelles and stuff, but it's all in a, it's all in a harmony too. It's, it's all, you know, and they're, they're not killing the gazelles just to prove that to keep the gazelles in line They're they're you know, it's this part of the cycle of life. 
And uh, I love that just with that line implies the Imperial, you know, basically it implies Palpatine's philosophy and it, it, I, I just love it with one, with one line in it and it sums up the whole struggle. Yeah. I, uh, it, it reminds me a lot of, uh, I was just listening to this podcast that was talking about, um, the sort of impact of, uh, the author Octavia Butler's work. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Uh, I just finished. You reading. should tell us anyway for anybody who's not. Yes, uh, I just finished reading her uh, Earthseed books, uh, Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents, uh, which is again another sort of like grounded science fiction uh, duology. Um, very sort of like it's not even really science fiction; it's like speculative fiction. You know, she wrote these books in the '90s uh, or late '80s. I don't I don't remember, um, and it's frighteningly. Uh, relevant um and but one of the things she says in those books and is kind of just like an overall philosophy uh from her other writings from what i've understood i've not read anything else yet but i i've been meaning to and have been you know looking at it. It, it one of the things she says is all that you touch you change and all that you change changes you and this podcast that i was listening to that was talking about it was talking about the difference between colonization and exploration and uh, they said the difference between the colonizer and the explorer is the uh, colonizer wants to change the world without being changed by it. Yes. And the explorer oh. is willing to be changed. Like the, the fact that like Empire wants to go to all these planets and enforce their will their way that you know the the structure they have set up is is the truth is the only way and you are wrong for having your own cultures and customs i mean it's all over how the empire talks about ferrix you know it's, yeah you know all this local custom you know bleh, whatever uh you know the the p-o-r-d of like uh, any festivals yeah. will be suspended we, mm -hmm. uh, or you know yeah and... we'll, we'll let them have a little bit of it to to keep at our convenience when, yeah. when it serves our purpose but otherwise yeah yeah but if you you know if you go to a new place it you should be willing to be changed by it like you should be willing to say hey this is my perspective this is what i can bring to you and this is what i want to learn from you so it's like the that's that's exactly it of like you know that's why empire what's well, why tyranny is unnatural the natural state of the universe is things constantly changing and being changed by each other and if you just try to enforce your will onto something that will break eventually that that cannot last forever uh it it breaks it leaks uh i don't remember the last thing nemec says uh but you know it it will eventually fall because that is not natural that is not actually following the true state of the universe mm -hmm. uh, uh, th 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 that that all just reminds me of um the colonizers line of that our conversation reminds me uh, you might have to shut up shut the fuck up chris me on this one because but i i got a, a personal family story 
Uh, my sister oh, okay. joined. The... I am out of Cheez Its. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love you, Hunter. I love you so much. Please continue. <laughs> I, my sister, my sister joined the Peace Corps out of out of college and went to the Ivory Coast of Africa and into the. She wasn't on the coast of Africa, but she landed on the Ivory Coast and she was deep in deep in 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 Africa and stayed with a you know a small tribe of people. And uh, my father was a world traveler for his job. His job shipped him all over the place. And my father would just go there and make friends with everybody and figure out what was going on and sort of just like adapt to that, and, you know, for the experience. So he was very excited about my sister joining the Peace Corps. So she came the one of the times she hadn't come back to visit, but she she you know, she would ma- send us a newsletter, and uh, and one of the newsletters I got a little cassette because she knew I liked drumming, and she was just like, you know, the people here every night they they drum and then they all dance around a fire, and it's you know a community thing, and uh, oh and 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 she came back to visit us, and she was talking about how 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 hard it was there because she was trying to teach people how to use condoms and how to how to dig a toilet and they didn't care they didn't want anything to do with it and she was frustrated that nobody ever listened to her and stuff and i started talking about the the um the drumming and i was like well that must have been intense every night and she goes oh i didn't i didn't go to it and i'm like you never went and danced with their with their tribe and she's like no and my father looks at her and goes that's why they're not putting on condoms or listening to you you, you won't you're not good you, you know she said it like of course i wouldn't do that and it's just like what do you mean you're there yeah <laughs> you're there you're living there you're eating the food with them you're living in their you're living in their home go and dance with them and then all of a sudden you'll be part of them but she did not want to be part of them. You know, she just, she wanted to be there. And I don't want to like that, have this, you know, come off negatively towards my sister, you know, I mean, she was 20 years old or whatever, you know, but that that's the, that's the mindset of somebody who's like, so that's like the colonizer mindset. It's like, yeah. I, you know, I'm not going to go. Da- it's like, like, I would be like, I would be shy to do it, but like within a week I'd be out there every night dancing around the fire, you know, it's, and, and, and I have danced around fires with drums before. It's fun. (laughs) It's great. It's bonding. It's a bonding, you know, that's how you bond with people who dance around fires. (laughs) There's a reason that's like the one, like really good episode of Book of Bubba Fett. Yep. That's that's the only good one. (laughs) (laughs) That's another rant. <laughs> Listen, I, I like Book of Boba Fett from the point of view of it being like popcorn Star Wars, where I just turn off my brain and I'm like, it's "Yes, pul- kaiju battle! It's a kaiju battle! Let's go!" It's it's but- a pulp. It's pulp. I I enjoyed it. It reminded me of the old cheesy Star Wars comics when they really didn't know what they were supposed to do and would get would just throw all the sorts of things at it. And it, it was and also I I think because Robert Rodriguez I love Robert Rodriguez because he's like give me t- five dollars and I'll make a movie you know <laughs> he doesn't care you know he doesn't I'll yeah. figure out how to do it with five dollars and it was on and and I'll throw everything throw everything at you to do that and that's what sort of it was it was like is this oh is this too goofy for you sorry well we'll do something else 
But I will say, like, the reason that hit is because you have, you know, an indigenous man telling an indigenous story with Tamara Morrison. And, like, that's why that slaps so good. Yeah, yeah, well, Tamara, yeah, I mean, that's something he can, yeah. And, like, I tell everybody, if he got the stomach for it, Once We're Warriors is the Tamara Morrison movie to watch. It's not an easy watch, but it's, it it is about, it's about the Maori and, and, and the struggle to maintain, um, you know, their, 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 their history and their traditions in the modern world. Mm. And I'll it's, it and he's a super flawed kid. He's, he's the, he's the bad guy in, in it, but he's a, he's a charismatic bad guy, which, mm. you know, but it, it has some brutal domestic violence in it though. That's the, that's like the most like it was hard for me to watch and I'm a jaded Phil. I'll watch any movie and I was watching it just going like, oh, yeah, this is hard. But boy, oh boy, you know, I mean, like the people who've just seen him in Star Wars should see that to see what kind of an actor he is, you know, and, and like they griped. They're just like Boba Fett isn't as tough as he's supposed to be. And it's just like, I don't think you understand stories and <laughs> people yeah well. yeah i love all the flashback stuff it's just yeah i, have, I have some other issues with the rest of it but are you already getting to act two yes i got i got a couple more notes oh, oh. oh who cares i do <laughs> <laughs> i care chris hit me with them all right let's see what i got here i love I love, 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 love the scene in the taxi with Mon Mothman and her husband. I love it. <gasps> we didn't I talk about it. Mon throwing Perrin under the bus. It's oh so my god! Good. No, we it's didn't. so Fuck, awesome. Yeah. I hate him so much. Throw oh. him right under that space bus. Let but him, like the way she does train. it, the way she does that that scene. Talk about stuff packed in the scene. Oh my Mon god! Mon Mothman knows for a fact that that guy in the front is listening to their conversation. Even though she asks him to not like. That's why she knows because she purposely did that to make sure that he was listening at that point. Yeah. And Perrin just goes, ah, he's not listening. And it's just like, oh, you poor, you poor idiot. You are dumb. You are (laughs) done. Done, done, done. You are about to just, you are about to just tie your own noose, slip it around your neck. You're about to take that take your own foot and stick it up your own ass. You're just gonna, you're just gonna, and, and God bless her. God yeah. bless her. I'm and glad like it worked. It, and it, at the same time, I think he was gambling on Coruscant when he's like, I, don't denied- know. I, I actually do. I actually do think he had given it up. Uh, like Perrin is a piece of shit. Don't, don't, you know, get me wrong. I'm not here to defend Perrin. Uh, but I actually I do think he was being honest there. Uh, and but Mon Mothma needed a lie that would be believable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it just I, again, it's pulling from that one yeah, way out. He, it is, he believes she, it. She believes it. For yeah. Sure. And it's, what I personally love about that, too, is I, I, I agree with you, Robin. I, I do think because he's I, I do think he has given it up, too, which makes it almost all the more sad because like there are certain things about Perrin like Perrin sucks but there are there are a few truths he loves yeah. his daughter yeah and we know say. that him and Mon can work as a team we've seen it multiple times that they are actually a really good political team together when they actually are on the same page 
And with those two truths, like I agree that I think he did give it up to preserve those two truths. And I love this idea that it was probably like this incredibly hard thing for him because gambling is is a addiction. And for his wife to be like, you're doing it again. Like anybody who struggles with addiction, like that is a personal attack. Yeah, that is. And, and so that. Oh. So like Mon Mothma, knowing that she's probably at, like actively cutting the last ties to her husband is just well, so good. Well, I love that like Mon Mothma has this sort of privileged position where she doesn't have to get her hands dirty, like bloody, like literally yeah. bloody. She doesn't have to go fight, but she does have to destroy her entire family, which is everything to someone like Mon Mothma. Yeah. That's your like, whole standing and your whole, you know, in the the political realm. And she's got a, she's got a, she's got like parent, whatever. They got baggage. Her daughter, <laughs> you know, okay. Her daughter is turning into a weird religious fanatic, but she's just a kid. And, yeah. well, you know, and like the fact that Perrin is also like not entirely chill with that side of things too. Like, you know, Mon's line. And I, I think it's, it's the previous episode where she's like, you know, Perrin's actually pretty open-minded about, all that um oh and... i had like a whole 20 minute thing about the culty <laughs> girl scouts i love that piece of information and yeah. that was one of the points is that parent that that's part of the weird like the place where like parent and mom don't disagree like don't agree on much but they will always be on the same team when it comes to their daughter yeah, yeah. And... and she's she's got to marry her daughter off to the green goblin now basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like the fact that you know she was I mean, the two of them, really, because they were both children, you know, they were forced into this thing, didn't really know what was what they were doing. And then eventually they got to a place where they, you know, sort of made it work. But, you know, with their obvious issues and again, Perrin sucks, but he, you know, is also a person like that. That again, that's what I love about this show is like even even the bat like they're you can empathize with the shitty people in this show. Uh, even if, you know, in a moment, it is, yeah, it is still very clear. Like we can watch Dedra like experiences, experience the hardships of being a woman in the workplace and oh, feel for her. That was but, an entire episode of mine where in the exact same episode, she tortures Bix. And I also wanted to reach through the screen and save her from Cyril. In yeah. the same episode. <laughs> yeah. And I and, hate that I wanted to be like, let me help you, little fascist lady, to get you away <laughs> from that incel. And 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 this one has the whole the whole hat switch shot, which is <laughs> I like, love that scene. Not a single line of dialogue. You see two sad, broken people desperately in search of any kind of connection. Yep. You know, and that and they have like one little point of connection and they just silently, sullenly <laughs> carry it out. It's just such a it's just such a wonderful scene. It seems almost like a non sequitur at first. And then it's just like, why did that? See, why is that scene sticking with me? Why is that out of, you know, that little moment in here sticking at me? Because it's, you know, and and. Cyril's given a lot of like, you know, he's, you, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons why he's, 
he's like this and you meet his mom and go like yeah. oh yeah okay <laughs> yeah. oh this yeah this is All why right. you like this and that okay. explains a lot <laughs> explains yep. a lot yeah and he, then you see deidre and deidre's a little bit like maybe a younger version of his mom a little you know a little <laughs> yeah. bit and and you're just seeing a sad a, a, a sad little man that's been broken by his family and his dad was probably super domineering too i, th- and, I totally thought you were about to say a sad little sack shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, I mean, that's what is, makes but... you a sad little sack of shit is just constantly, you know, having someone, you know, with aspirations for you and running your life. And, you know, she just, you know, and feeding you weird cereal TV over, you know, by the breakfast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just a nice little breakfast convert. Every little nice little breakfast conversation is is just peppered with poison and and, you know, knives. And uh, it's 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 wonderful. And it's all done just with like the perfect strokes. Yeah. Oh, let's see. What else do I got? What else? Oh, I like the line with um, where uh, they're talking about Deidre and um, to um, uh, Luthen. And she goes, you know, you know her. And he goes, not yet. And I was like, ooh, ooh, I didn't catch that the first time. I wonder what his plan, like, I wonder how he pictures what happens when he meets Dedra. Is she somebody he's thinking of using in some way? I I like the implication that Luthen and Dedra might have some sort of interaction in the future. Yeah. Even if we, even if it's something that we never, never see. Um, I love the scene of the band tuning up. Just as someone in a band, knowing yeah. that knowing that that's something a band would really have to, they'd all have to sit around and tune up a little bit and and get their get their they're all playing horn instruments, so they got to get their lips vibrating. <laughs> and uh, and I love the little detail you get to see the bell from the side, and you can see how it was cast, and you can even see how the metal flowed down it. I or the or the grapplers uh, anvil, huh? Uh, the time. Grappler. Yes, 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 yes. You you, oh. you see it from the side, and you see it's this one big curved piece of cast metal that's been laid on its side to like echo out from either side, and you can see the lines in the metal how it flowed. It's like you not only see the thing, you can see how it was made and how it's it's just little details like that. And uh, my my only other note is uh, I love how. Okay, the Empire's setting this all up. We, we we told them they could do it at this time, but we had to set it set it forward a couple hours. We had to, you know, we told them do it two hours later than they were supposed to. And they just, and they fuck everything up just by starting early. All, all they had to do was start two hours early. And all of a sudden you see just the fear inspired by, like... You see in that situation, like the people at the funeral are standing there like, you know, like pieces of metal and the empire are just like flying around like straw in the breeze, just like they're going, oh, they're going there. You can see the palpable fear in every imperial in that when it, it just for just just the fact that like their control they set over it, one thing just got set off from their control and it just sends them into a flurry of of fear, you know, and violence. 
And uh, I thought that was very, very telling and awesome. Mm-hmm. But that's all I got for for Act One, so which is right. most of my notes because <laughs> it's most of the show. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are going to go into a break of Act Two, Robin. Cool. Cool, cool. Act Two. The banging of the anvil fills the t- air. I'm just and got away from me. <laughs> so the time grappler is banging his metal. He's just banging away, right? Because I apparently can't be serious anymore. Hey, the time grappler bangs. He does bang, and he bangs hard for everyone to hear. <laughs> Hell yeah! Good for you, time grappler. <laughs> And Marva's funeral is starting early, and the Imperials, as Chris said earlier, are like straws in the wind, because they're just like, what the fuck? We're surrounded! Actually, now that I think about it, it's kind of a nice parallel of episode three, when it was just two guys, and, and all the banging and noise of Ferrix made the mall cops be like, we're surrounded and scared! It's nice, it's Star Wars that rhymes, anyway. Um, and all the Imperials are like, fuck, 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 fuck. And everyone, as music swells, the amateur Ferrix time band is just like, let's play that old hit, the sad funeral march. <laughs> and they start walking through the town and they're all coming together. And as this is happening, everyone starts going into place. Cassian is using the cover of the funeral and the procession to sneak into the hotel to go find Vix and getting past Dedra's men. And Dedra and her men are just like, where the fuck is Cassian? And they're like, should we shoot him? And she's like, I will shoot you if you tell- I have to tell you one more time to keep him alive. And he's like, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening because you're a lady. And, she, and, that's, and that's how that man <laughs> died today. Um, and so the entire cast is coming together. Brasso comes out with Marva's funeral brick. And B2 Emo is just rolling next to him like a brave little boy he is. Jesse and the daughters are fair because they're there with their nice fancy reds. All the whatever job Brasso has, they're all in their nice outfits too. Woman joins them, running out with his little bomb in his pocket. And the Imperials are just like, where? Why are they playing music? What is this? Customs? What the hell is a custom? This isn't regulation. And everybody has come together. And as they do, be to emo rises like in this little shaft thing doesn't actually like rise like this little shaft thing comes up and he projects an image of marva and she is glorious and beautiful above and she's just like hey so um i'm dead and (laughs) i guess this is a thing and i always wondered what it would be like to be dead but um i just wanted you all to know that i love you all very much and you made my life all very special. And if my baby boy Cassian was here, he's my baby boy. And I here are some like pictures of him, and like Cassian is just from like <laughs> everyone hears from the hotel. Mom, mom, what the fuck? He's like, she's like, this was his baby butt. He was so cute. I, I know he was like, get his little peepee. He was like ten when she adopted him. Never mind. Oh, yeah, it's true. Okay, yeah, that, <laughs> never okay. mind. Hey, strike that. that from the record. It's like, what the? Everyone just kind of stops and stares. She's like, anyway, I just wanted you all to know that we've been sleeping and these fuckers have invaded us. See, hi, you Imperials down there. Y'all invaded us and we're going to fucking fight you because you suck. You suck big balls. Do you see the balls of the Empire, the balls of the Emperor, the wrinkling, wrinkling testicles (laughs) that hang down around his knees? You're going to suck on them. Excellent. 
And meanwhile, this Imperial is like, well, that's not very nice. And he just strides over there and he's like, excuse you, madam, you're not saying nice things about the Empire. And Marvel flips him off and goes, fuck the Empire. And he's like, ah. Oh. And this man turns over B2 Emo. And there's a silence across the crowd. And he looks up and realizes it's just him against hundreds of Phyrexians, Phyrexians, Phyrex people. And this man has real fear in his eyes. And he goes, fuck. He's about to get Phyrexed up real bad. He's about to get Phyrexed up real bad. <laughs> and that's the end of Act 2. Ha! Can we please talk about the music? Yeah, oh well, as, as the guy who edits this episode, these episodes and has to go out and get the Andor soundtrack to put behind all this stuff, and as one of the guys who is always like, Star Wars needs John Williams, I, I've changed my tune on because of Andor. The the mu- this music is fantastic. Nick Bertel is a fucking god. Um, I adore the the Andor score is at this point literally the soundtrack to my life. Like I have it going on at work. It's a phenomenal in my soundtrack. Head, like headphones, it calms me down when i'm having an anxiety attack i i listen to the andor score for just about anything um so i'm kind of oh go ahead sorry no 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 go ahead i was just gonna say like i'm sort of a weirdo like i actually don't listen to a lot of star wars music because i I, and and when i do it's usually a kiner um but like i'm just not one to like listen to star wars music constantly this procession of this amateur band they recorded live i've probably listened to it's probably my like on my top five favorite star wars songs like and i actually listen to it on a constant um it's up there with like um into the star cluster and uh what's the other one it's over now from star wars rebels which are my two favorite pieces of star wars music um like i love this piece and the fact that First of all, can we just have more, what's it called, Diad, diadic, diatretic, diagetic. that one, thank you. Um, can we just have more diegetic music in Star Wars, period, yes, the end? Please. Just in, in, in movies, period, you know, that's, yeah. one of the things that, that's one of the things that annoys me is when you have live musicians in a movie and you can hear, and this is especially prevalent in Disney movies, as a musician, Disney's production of Music is so good that I hate it. It loses <laughs> a lot of life. It loses they 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 pasteurize and homogenize it and record it so perfectly that it loses a lot of life. You know, I I realized that when I was in line to go on the um uh whatever in Disney World the log flume ride that they have there. You know, the Splash Mountain or whatever it is, and they're playing you know, like old bluegrass music. And, and it was just, and, and I was sitting with people, they're like, this is so fun listening to country music here. And I'm like, it doesn't sound right. It, it sounds too good. And I hate when you see a movie and there's live musicians and it's obviously like some recorded track that they're playing on the soundtrack in full, beautiful stereo production. And this yeah, this makes you, it, it makes you feel like you're there. It does not take you out of it. And yeah, 
because you'll have like a lot of extra work, but boy, was it worth it, you know, because you'll have those shots of just like Dedra and like the music's much more quieter because it's across town. Like, and it's, and it makes you really like feel like you're in it. And you can, like, whenever we're there with the Imperials, you can hear the music coming at them. Like, they know it's coming and it adds to their dread of their storytelling and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, it, and it's all being recorded live. Those are the actors there are musicians playing real instruments that were just sort of gussied up to look more Star Wars-y. Um, they're, and that's why, like, uh, like you mentioned at the, the top of the episode, if you, you know, if you listen with headphones, you can hear, like, the gravel underneath their feet. You can hear breaths that they're yep. taking. Um, it's... It is, you know, real like the fact that it's not perfect. There are like bits that are kind of slightly out of tune. It doesn't sound good, quote unquote, but that is what makes it good. Like, yes. exactly. It sounds like an <laughs> that's amateur my band philosophy on making music right there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's the first thing that Nick Bertel wrote because it had to be because it was being filmed. And it was so powerful. And he wrote a bunch of different variations on it. And then they were like, oh, we'll use that as the main theme. And then they ended up using the different variations as, you know, having the different theme music for every episode. So um, brilliant. Yeah, so brilliant. And and like you can you can like almost know what episode is coming out by listening to the open, you know, the 50 seconds of opening music for it. Everyone is slightly different in, in the same at the same time. And as someone, I'm just starting to dip my toes into electronic music, which is, which is what this mostly is. What he's doing on there isn't very complicated. Like I could replicate a lot of the you know, with with this one keyboard I have, I could replicate a lot of this soundtrack. It's not there's no like complicated parts to it and stuff. There's some drums in there that, you know, but but it's not the fact that it's not com- complex. It's the fact of what he does with that simple soundtrack. And and it's, you know, it's just the right thing. And. And I would have been if someone said, "Yeah, they're going to do mostly an electronic score with this this show." I would have been like, "Oh no, you know, I like but, electronic music as a score for movies a lot, but mm-hmm. not in my Star Wars." But I was, I would have been completely wrong. Yeah, but he also like one of the things I love is the use of piano throughout the score. That mm-hmm. piano is a lot more prevalent than I think any other Star Wars score, uh, like. There, there is piano in other Star Wars scores, but it, I just don't notice it as a much. Little as I do. Yeah. A the, little the Kiners, bit. The Kiners tend to use piano, but they don't use it very, like, as the main instrument. But they well, do the ki- use piano. Yeah. The, the thing about the Kiners is, is, is I, I, I don't, I think budgetarily wise, Disney gives them the short shrift because they won't give them a full orchestra. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, they Kevin has have to, to use ask a piano. The full orchestra, they have to make about that before in like Clone and, Wars and Rebels. And that ha- had you, to ask you, for you would before. have to use a piano to sort of fill in a lot of the melodic stuff to make it sound full. But boy, oh boy, I, but boy, when they do give them, you know, a full orchestra and say, here, go to town, 
It's up there with John Williams, you know? It's up there with John Williams. And Kevin, that's... Sean, and Dina are just like, fuck yeah, let's go! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it makes me wonder, and, and I know it would have been a lot more work for them and stuff, especially for a TV show, but yeah, Disney should have been a lot more a lot more forthcoming with the full orchestra with that and and it would have uh vastly not that rebels needs vast improvement but it would have it would have improved it because you hear those two tracks and they're just like they're, like very rarely do you hear somebody who scores a tv show come on to like social media and go like look what i just made and that's what right <laughs> did with both of those parts and i was like Okay, I'm gonna check. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see why you want people to hear this. Yes. <laughs> I did have yeah. a moment. Um, during the strikes, we started watching Succession. And I was as we like sat down for the first episode, the theme song started playing because you know there's a theme song for you know for the episode and stuff like that. And I had this moment, I was like, wow, this kind of sounds like Andor. And then like a second later it says composer Nicholas Patrell. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, there it is, there it is. Good, good, your your good ears. Yeah, yeah, yes, he's but... he's so brilliant. And again, another another person that Tony Gilroy is always hyping up in every interview. Uh, they live like down the street from one another. Like they're, they're oh, they really? both live in New York, and they 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 don't live that far away from each other. So like they were, you know, working on. Uh, you know themes and stuff way you know when they were just at home uh in the writing process and uh like the time grapplers gong i'm i i'm pretty sure i know i know this recording happened i i think it's for the time grapplers gong but i'm not entirely sure but i know they recorded the two of them just banging the pipes underneath tony gilroy's apartment <laughs> and I, I am pretty sure that's for the time grappler. Um, but I, yeah, they, they would just like experiment and do weird shit like that. And uh, I mean, they had to score the um, the reckoning of the metal in episode three. Mm -hmm. Like that was actually. Like, oh, that's probably what it was. Actually, that's that's probably more of what it, what it was, was the 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 reckoning. Uh, uh, yeah, it was just them whacking on pipes uh, underneath. Tony Gilroy's apartment building. Mm hmm So, um, can we, if there's nothing else about the music, let's talk about Marva's speech. <sighs> Marva's speech. I, I'll let you start. Yeah, you go ahead. I, I love, um, the, the, the emphasis on, on sleeping and like, we've all been asleep and that's like a through line throughout the show. Uh, if you go back and watch is like, um, Cassian is like, you know, in that first episode, when we get the flashback, he is asleep. Um, and, you know, in the Aldani arc, we have, you know, Nemec saying, like, I didn't sleep at all before this event. Like, but you you slept like a stone. You don't have any morals. You don't have any beliefs. And you you sleep perfectly. Until the prison arc where yep. Cassian doesn't sleep a wink. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he's waking up. And that that. The fact that they then like literally say it in Marva's speech is just ugh, perfect. Like it's, you know, and we've all the fact that she says, you know, we've all been sleeping like the journey. Ferrix is radicalized right alongside Cassie and the journey of the planet is the journey of Cassian as well. Um, it's just beautiful. And I, I 
the first time watching it, of course, you're not expecting that to happen. And it's and as soon as you see it, as soon as I saw it, I was just like, oh, my God, this because she she she'd given it, you know, Cassian had gotten her last message to him through Brasso, you know, when, mm-hmm. when they're down in the tunnels and Brasso. Oh, my like, God, that 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 basically that just hands him all the stuff that she knew. This is what Cassian needs to hear. Brasso hands it hands it all over to him and you can see the actor doing the like I'm you know he I have to get this these words you know what she told me right and tell him and you know tell Cassian that the you know he you know he didn't start the fire was already burning he just like Mm -hmm. and then then when she pops up in the hologram she's she might as well just have a big gas can in her in her you know, she must have been thinking about that gas can like the last few months of her life. And she just was like, yeah, that fire's already started and just turns the gas can over and just starts <laughs> dumping it on. I just imagine like uh, poor Marvin. Uh, Marvin is putting on some sunglasses and pulling out a flamethrower and just being like. Bah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> basically, she 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 knows what to say and she she. She sets up Cassian for what he has to do, which is go get Bix and eventually, you know, massacre some Imperials. And then she gives she gives the people just what they need at that moment, too. And you can see like everybody in that crowd going, yes, that is that is us. That is they're already pissed off to begin with. But now it's yeah, you can see that like. And that's what I love about this is their restraint and that is never shown, especially in TV, you know, the, the restraint that shows that you respect your audience and that you don't need to spoon feed them everything, you yep. know, that nobody, nobody like, you know, explains anything or it's all just perfectly, perfectly laid out. You don't need any exposition from people in the you, you don't need people in the crowd going yeah rah, like they typically do in movies this is an organic crowd going bad you know yeah. and the crowd is getting mad and the imperials are so stupid just like she knew they would be that they came out like i'm gonna throw my jacket over this droid and kick and him over kick up, yeah. and it's just like that like that moment even on the second viewing Ha- the 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 moment where Brasso just comes and kicks a guy in the chest, <laughs> I'm up out of my chair and just like Brasso, <laughs> kick him in the chest. It's oh. that. Oh, that it's I so have good. so many things to say about Brasso in Act it, Three. It, it, Brasso is basically kicking the dam open at that picture and it, at that point, and it's for the and 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 the audience is right there you know p- play the audience like a fiddle they're right the minute that foot connects with the chest it's just like yes crush his chest <laughs> <laughs> that um, success is a filmmaker right there i to to kind of like bring this back and actually no i cannot actually talk about Clem. um but how the the connection yeah fuck it we've already talked about this anyway um Fiona Shaw is just so good. I hope we get at least a couple flashbacks with her in season two, just to bring her back. So I, I'm in my head canon. She's she's also related to uh, to um, <laughs> um, now I can't remember the na- the actress's name. 
ship from the Golden Girls in this holiday special. Oh, B. Arthur. Yeah, I, I, she's, <laughs> she is somehow distantly related to B. Arthur's character in, Hell in the yeah, holiday Chris. special. Fuck yeah! Someone write that fanfic. Where they <laughs> they kind of look like they could be sisters, right? Okay. It's the same time. Her sister. She says that I remember walking and holding my sister's hand the first time I saw a funeral. Well, that was B. Arthur. That yep. was B. Arthur's hand. <laughs> Hell holding. yeah, Chris! I dig it. Um, did you have anything else about the speech, Robin? Oh, I just wanted to like uh, piggyback off of the like trusting your audience. Um, yeah, get the, up on like, that before, back. Before the speech starts, you know, the whole crowd is chanting stone and sky, stone and sky. And like, you know, we ne- we don't get any explanation for what that is or what that means. And But like, there's just so many little things that just make Ferrix a real living community of just like, you know, the, the shot of the gloves in the first couple yes. episodes, you know, like... It, there's just so many things that just build out that world. And and we see that it's a comfort because, like, Bix, who has been oh through God, hell, yeah. like, she's just trying her best to be part of that community, too. And it's giving her that hope as well to be part of that community. Yeah, and she's, like, humming the tune as well. And, like, you know, this woman is broken beyond the, like, she is, like, barely able to think anything. But, she like, never the fact come that back, she know. can hold on to those like those are so much a part of her that that music and those words uh, like bring her back a bit is like, it's just so beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Well, I love, I love the, one of the two, there were only two things that I didn't like about rogue one really that I would say are complaints. And that was the, you know, we're wanted men. You better watch yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't like that. And I didn't like how Bodhi came back from the I I I I I'm I'm always gonna call it the Bulgogi Bulgogi, even though it's not the Bulgogi. Yeah, yeah, but I just I just I just hear Bulgogi, the Korean cooked beef, <laughs> barbecue beef. Oh fish. oh like the little sandwich, yeah. Uh, you get Bulgogi. Oh, yum, okay. yum, yum, yum. I will love Bodhi Rook for you because that is my baby and he does not get no, enough no, love for being it's the greatest not about hero his of all character. It's I about know how the, it's about how, like, the, you, you know, the Balgagi pretty much just ruins your brain, and his brain is ruined until it's conven- until it's inconvenient until it's for until he has to come back, and then he's yeah. then he's like back and fine, and he's not like he's not limping the he should be limping through that at best he should be limping through that movie mentally at the end, you know. Do you like, know why? Because you did not put respect on his name. His name is Bodhi Rook, the greatest hero of all of Star Wars. <laughs> that know, is why but... he's able to get through it because he is Bodhi Rook, the greatest hero of all of Star Wars. And you will put respect on his name, Chris. That, that, that was that was the, the guy who watched that for the first time that I was telling you about at the beginning. He kept just cracking up every time that Bodhi would say, I'm the pilot. And he's just like, he and like they would say it. He'd say, I'm the pilot. And then like two lines later, Bodhi would say like, I'm just the pilot. And he's just like, oh, and then, like, when Bodhi got killed, you see the editor right up there and it goes, notice who's not saying anything about I'm the pilot anymore. <laughs> notice who's not making I'm the pilot jokes anymore. Those were his last words in his head. It's just, I'm the pilot. This Rob- can't happen to me. I'm the pilot. <laughs> Robin, when is Charles going to make this joke when? 
What? When is Charles going to make that joke in Flad? When? Oh, <laughs> that he's the pilot? Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, he's definitely going to make it now that you mentioned it in the show. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely listening. You know. We know. He's, he definitely we is. know you're there, Charles. We know we you're getting the fuck We can hear you breathing right now. <laughs> Sorry. We have to do our, like, our, our weekly yelling at Charles. Because. <laughs> Don't sue us over Yoda. <laughs> um, did anybody else have anything about the speech? Mm, I mean, I just wish they had left in the fuck the empire. Um, There's uh, no there, way Disney. No, I, there I, was no way they would have. But like, it was a kind of amazing. Like when um, Denise Gow said said that in that interview review mm -hmm. i was like oh they probably just did it to just like hype people up or whatever like to play the audio but yes. they did actually record like the if you look at her lips when she says fight the empire em empire it definitely like she is saying fuck uh and like they confirmed that later i think there was a i want to say variety but i could be wrong about that there was like uh, on YouTube, there was like a an interview, like breaking down the episode, uh, this episode, um, with like Tony Gilroy, Nick Bertel, uh, and a bunch of other people. Fiona Shaw was one of them, uh, and like they they confirmed. Oh yeah, I've seen this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that they they did say fuck the Empire. That was in the script. That was what they shot. Uh, but Tony was like, yeah, no, we always knew it was vulnerable. We knew like we want mm -hmm. and he like made a pitch. He was like, I made a case to Disney for it. Like <laughs> he like, yeah. had to like give a presentation on why the word fuck should be used in this show. <laughs> and uh, See, unfortunately, I'm the they didn't loves, let him do it. But I love swearing. And but I remember when when they dropped the F-bomb on Star Trek and I was watching it and I was just like, oh, I've been just t totally taken out of this now, even though they were humans. And and like then I think to myself, well, in Star Wars, they wouldn't have the word fuck, even though they are speaking, you know, English. They would have, you know, they sort of did that in Firefly where they had frack. And now everybody, you know, it's it's a way. But whenever you make up a, a an alien swear word, it always sounds stupid. It never sounds it never yeah, sounds see, the, good to, to me. The alien swears have, actually take me out of it more. Yeah, that's um, and that's that was my next and, and my, my in my chain of logic. I was like, if they soft peddled it as a alien, if they said, you know, I mean, the only swear that Star Wars really has right now is Poodoo, right? The well, they also have Fark. Fark has started making a rise Farrick. in the books. Yeah, yeah. it's it's but like, it's Fark no good. Yeah, it's no good. It sounds like somebody try. It sounds like somebody saying shut the front door or something. Somebody trying to come up with baby talk for for swearing. Yeah. So I was sort of glad they took it out. And I also have I also have total faith that there'll be some Star Wars Andor fan out there who gets themselves a little time on the AI and makes a fan edit with with where they. <laughs> They'll probably just find a movie where Fiona Shaw said "fuck" and just edit it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do that too. But uh, yeah, yeah. So we 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 still might see it someday if we really want to see how it how it plays. Release the fuck cut. 
organized as the as if only we were as organized and and emotionally stunted as Zack Snyder fans we could get it done. <laughs> <laughs> um the only other note I have for this is I low-key love the cook in the kitchen where Cassian's just like, oh, and just walks out and the guy just goes, I'm sorry about your mom. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time in the middle of I this mean, like, massive dramatic scene and you just have this guy that's just like, sorry about your mom. <laughs> I don't every exactly time. Know. Yeah. But like, if you've ever lost someone in your family, that's that is a real that happens to you a lot, you know. That oh, it happened to me last week. Everybody, I know. (laughs) Yeah. But you have those people who just like don't know what to say, and they're cutely awkward, but they're trying so hard. But I love that little cook man who has only this one scene. And he just makes so he just makes the most of it. Yeah. And it makes me laugh every single time. Every time. I love that man. Yeah. I don't even know his name, but I know he has a name because Cass says it. Yoda's um, had to say sorry about your mom many times, but it's not the same context. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do just love though, uh just one last thing about the speech of just um just the shots of Cassian listening to it as he's, you know, getting ready to go in and, and save Fix. And also just the, there is a bit of traditional fantasy in that there there is an element of Cassian kind of being the charming rogue saving a princess from the tower. Not to like, you know, diminish Fix by making her a d- damsel in distress. But there, there is kind of that element of it too, which I kind of love as well. Oh, I think mm-hmm. they meant that. I mean, yeah. they they did the 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 one shot where they were about to, you know, play the the screams of the alien babies into her head, mm-hmm. and it cuts, it cuts out the door and down the hallway in exactly the same can. It's so su- it's that's one of the things where they're like, we're going to take something from a Star Wars movie and put it in here. It's the Princess yeah. Leia torture scene. Yes. Make her a and, princess. And, and they, they, but it was something that was done with a camera shot. It wasn't a thing. And it ties it to that Princess Leia thing. But if you remember that, Princess Leia got got tortured. And then 10 minutes later, when they come to rescue her, she's just like, what are you a little short first stormtrooper and ordering everybody around? Yeah. This is like this is like they I think they purposely tied it to the scene to go like, no, you don't just like come back out quipping. You, you know, she was she was messed up and it hits that much harder for that, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah I, I think there was a short shrift on on trauma <laughs> with Princess Leia. <laughs> I that's why I like um there's so many like fan comics and stuff like that. Uh, there's one in particular. I wish I knew who did it off the top of my head, but it's like this quiet moment of Leia, like after the the medal ceremony and stuff like that. And the first thing she does is rip out her Alderanian braids. Like she just rips out her buns and just starts sobbing because um, braids on Alderaan are like a thing. It's part of her mm. culture. Um, 
it is a very important, significant part. Like, there's different braids for different things on Alderaan, and her planet is gone, and her parents are gone, and it's just her ripping her buns out. And yeah. I'm just like, yes, I need. I wish she's, we got more of that. She's had everybody she ever knew on her planet killed, and and was tortured by the Imperials, and comes out swinging. There's got to be some point where <laughs> you're gonna have to deal with. Like, I don't even know. How much, you know, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, my, my mm-hmm. limited, my limited experience with trauma is nothing compared to having your planet blown up. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, and, you know, I think we, the only sort of shot we get of Leia, like dealing with the weight of any of it is just that shot at the beginning of the last Jedi when she's got, you know, her head in her hand. Uh, yeah. and that's pretty much it. We don't get to see her. <laughs> Yeah. you know, actually feel her feelings. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, are we ready to slap some Imperials in Act 3 with bricks? We are. Let's, uh... Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Act 3. Well, this Imperial who just kicked over B2 email realizes he's about to die because Brasso walks up to him and, like, goes all... Wait, who? it was Mace Windu who punched Grievous in the chest. He goes all Mace Windu on <laughs> Grievous in the chest and Sparta's this man and everyone's just like fuck yeah and then the greatest moment in all of Star Wars cinema happens when another Imperial runs up to to Grasso and he takes Marva's funeral brick and he slaps this man with it because Marva did in the end get to hit up Imperial just as she always wanted and it's like the key and it's the greatest moment in all of Star Wars history and this riot breaks out across everywhere. And it gets worse because Willman's like, well, I made this bomb. Fuckers. And he blows up the bomb. And everyone gets like thrown around. And Nurchi dies in a very mwah, beautiful chef kiss moment. And the, the riot just erupts. And I haven't even mentioned that Luthen's there. Luthen's just like, oh, fuck, I'm going to get the hell out of here. And meanwhile, incel serial Karn is like, where is my lady justice? And he, like, terminates the spray looking for Dedra. And Dedra's like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And Danwin gets killed. And Pelka and Brasso rescue B2 Emo and uh, Wilman to make sure they're not captured and drag them out of there. And Cassian's just like, hey, Bix. I think we should go. Everything's exploding. And she's like, yeah, I think so, too. And he sweeps her out of there. And meanwhile, this mob attacks Dedra. And Dedra's like, oh, shit. I don't want to be a fascist in this. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and she gets, dr- like, somebody grabs her. And she drags her into this, like, dark closet. And I can see the real palpable woman fear in her eyes that she's about to either get dyed or other, or, or other things. And she turns. And it's Cyril. And he's just like... <sighs> Hey, Dedra. She's like, oh my god, it's you. And he's like, yeah, I I saved you. Would you like to do a sex with me? And she's like, what? He's like, nothing, nothing. Hi, it's fine, it's fine. We'll we'll be fine. And so, yeah, this is probably how uh, Zero gets into the Empire next season. We'll see. And during all this, Cinta kills her ISB agent. The time grappler, like, Sparta's a stormtrooper off the clock tower, which is the second best moment in all of Star Wars. And meanwhile, Luthen's just, like, sitting a mile away, just going, <sighs> okay, look what I did. Well, 
blood on my hands, I guess. Saul will be happy about this. We are now officially at war. And finally, uh, Jesse is getting ready for the ship. And Brasso is there and they're trying to get off and they're trying to get the ship. And Pelg is trying to like fill, fill it up. And Jesse's just like, man, get the thing. Get the thing. <laughs> and they all freak out because they hear someone coming. And it's Cassian with Bix. And he, he whisk everybody to safety. And B2 Emo's like, oh my god, I have so much to tell you. And Cassian's like, not right now. I love you. Take care of them. You're the best droid. Everyone pales in comparison compared to you because you're the best. Brasso, take care of them. And Brasso's like, got it. He's like, Wilman, you're now radicalized. Enjoy your fighting. And Wilman's like, I want my dad. And Binks is just like, haha, bye, Cassian. We love you. He's like, Jesse, get them out of there. And she's like, yes, sir, Cassian. We'll probably never be in the show ever again. But I am Jesse, and I'm like the really important character that should have been here the entire show. And he's like, yeah, fuck yeah, you are. And he jumps off the ship and he waves to his friends. And he's just like, all right, time to die. During all this line of strings alone. And I'm only saying that because I uh, have a note about that. And Mon Mothma sells her daughter off to a skeevy name, guy named Skullman. A, a child. And he's and Perrin looks mad. And she's mad. And stuff like Son that. Son of the Green Goblin. Son of the go- Green Goblin. And finally, last but not least, Luthen Gid is like, well, I guess it's time to get the fuck out of here. And he walks in and Cassian's like sitting in his chair. And he's just like, hey, you want to do rebellion with me? And Luthen's like, get the fuck out of my chair. Why are you here? He's like, because I'm here to die. And Luthen's like, ha you're funny. There's a, still a whole rogue one down the way. Let's go to act season two. And we close the chapter on this story. Huzzah! The end. Ha. <sighs> Nurchie got what was coming to him. It's so good. <laughs> Snitches do get blaster bolts to the head. Uh, <laughs> I also, like, the other... Just, a couple of like, like just very, very tiny notes. The uncomfortable, long, just shot on Zanwin's dead body. Oh my god! Mm, even if people like don't remember his name, it's just a very uncomfortable shot, and it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yep. It mm. should make you squirm. Well, they didn't. They, they, they. This is. There's something different than a usual Star Wars fight. Is when people get hit by the laser bolts, they go flying. Like there's yeah. weight to he it. shot right off someone's back. Like he goes like they had wires hooked up to him and just yanked him right off that guy's. You know, you there. There is some there is energy behind those bolts instead of just going, you know, going into your heart and you fall over or whatever. You know, no, these are just like flinging people left. Everybody's getting flung around in this this battle it's amazing there's mm-hmm. also like more weight in the sound design of yes. the blaster bolts like they're they're like heavier they're like yes. pitched a bit lower and they you just feel them so much more mm-hmm. um but yeah i love the energy in this battle um it's very chaotic and messy it yep. doesn't feel like a you know big epic fantasy battle of the you know forces of good well, versus the forces of evil no. it's messy well that and and, and, and at the end they would have the the people would have like just completely wrecked the empire on the this 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 planet and you know it would have been a a clean like victory or whatever and really what this is is really the beginning of them getting really treated bad <laughs> They, yeah, they, they, you know, they, they, they didn't take back they don't control. Kick the they, empire out. They don't, you know, no. it's not 
it's not the end of Rebels. They don't kick the Empire off of Lothal. Like, you know, they don't yes. do it for Ferrix. Like, they, it's just Cassian's friends that make it out, and the rest of them are probably fucked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no, no, basically, they just made it so the Empire can still stay there, but it's going to be a lot more work for them because they're going to have to really, like, they're going to have to really buckle down on these, you know, people. They're going to have to have people with guns in the streets. They're going to have to have spies worse than they had before. They're going to have to kill people at a higher rate to make points and stuff like that. It's going to get a lot worse for the people of Ferrix. But I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if in season two, uh, Cassian goes back and the whole planet has been as strip mined as Canary was. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 Or, or Lothal in like season four. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what, but I, but what I do love about this whole, like just non win gritty battle is it all starts with a brick and in our real world, uh, bricks are symbols of rebellion. You know, it was bricks thrown at Stonewall. Like it was, yep. uh, bricks thrown at, um, uh, oh gosh, what's it called? Uh, everywhere. Every, every, yeah, yeah, every, everywhere. And rocks. I mean, they're shooting people in Palestine over throwing rocks right now. Yeah, and so, like, bricks are the symbol of rebellion. There's a reason during, like, Black Lives Matter where the police would pu purposely put out bricks to try and incite riots, and, like, yep. the leaders of Black Lives Matter was like, do not touch the bricks, it's a trap. Um, yep. And it all starts with a brick, and, like, them having that that um, mindset to put that very real-world palpable thing that is so tied intricately intricately to our history that every revolution has something to do with rocks and bricks and how it's like the most basic weapon of revolution it's just such a beautiful symbol to be put inside this like space fantasy pew pew to so closely tie it to our world well also marva's inside a brick yeah she gets to slap a stormtrooper it's the best yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so. it's um you know in i don't remember which episode it is but you know, when Marva, when Bix and Brasso are talking about Marva and uh, Bix is like, you know, she's investigating these tunnels that that, uh, you know, she thinks the rebellion can sneak into. And it's like, what Brasso's like, why, why is she doing it? And, and Bix is like, she's a rebel. And it's kind of said, like, she says it in the like, oh, it's a sweet old lady with this kind of like delusion of grandeur a bit like it's it's very cute that you know she thinks she can rebel but in the end she is and yeah. you know she is what inspires the whole planet to rebel and she gets to be used to kill fucking fascists they're and... gonna make a shea t-shirt out of her <laughs> yeah um yeah can we talk and about like, Brasso? I love Brasso. Always and forever, my love. So I, over, oh God, it was like a year ago now, Um, in our first episode of Andor, pre-strikes and all the shit that hap has happened since, Um, I talked about how Brasso at the beginning of that episode and his journey of being essentially the, the symbol of the rebellion. Because we do have like the legendary, like mythical heroes but Brasso in his journey from the from episode one to now is what it is all about. 
Um, he is just a blue collar guy who loves his people and he loves his work. And we see a little bit of it in episode three when he hooks a toe to a truck to a, to, to the uh, small cop space truck and kills a guy. And mm-hmm. it's something that weighs so heavily on him. Like he is drinking in tears at the end yeah, of that wow. episode, but he is the face of 99.9% of rebellions, not just in star Wars, but of all rebellions in our history. That it's just everyday people who just has finally said, no more, we're not doing this. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And Brasso is the face and he is that story of like what it's like to want to keep your head down at first, but you can't, you have to at least defend against the little stuff. And then you get into it more and there's no turning back. And when he gets on that ship and he says goodbye to Cass and he's going to take everybody, there is no coming back. I would not be surprised if is surprised if Brasso never gets to come back to Ferrix again because this is not his life and everything changes. Mm-hmm. But he is the symbol mm-hmm. of... Everybody who is at that parade should get the hell off Ferrix and go into hiding because, yeah, they're all wanted yeah. criminals now. <laughs> <laughs> and he is, his journey is the symbol of 99.9% of the rebellion. This is what it's made of. It's not made of Luke Skywalker's. It's not made of Han Solo's. It's not made of Princess Leia. It is millions of Brassos who have come together to stop this evil force. And he is what it is actually all about. That's a band name right there. Millions of Brassos. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's yep. an, and it's an amateur marching band. One million Brassos. Me, I think it's... Is it in Lost Stars where, um, uh, crap, I can't remember the, the guy character's name right Thane? now. Uh, Thane, yeah. It, it isn't, is it in that book where he's like talking to some other rebels and they're like shit talking Luke because he was just like a kid who got lucky and he's like getting all the credit? I don't for, remember. Uh, it's either, it might, it's either in that book or it might be in Battlefront Twilight Company. Um, but th- there's like a moment where some other rebels are like shit talking Luke because he, you know, he's just this this kid who is suddenly who came from nowhere is suddenly a commander because he got a lucky shot. And but yeah, it, it's you know the the rebellion is really made of made up of Brassos, millions of Brassos, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's not all uh, space wizards uh, who uh, are doing doing the real rebellion work. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I just I love Brasso. I love his story. I love everything like I, I love this character. He he might be my favorite character of this show because um yeah, I just ugh. also just like again going back to the moment between him and Cassian in the sewers, like but but also any any moment with the two of them together, like seeing emotional uh honest like male friendship uh is yeah also something that you know we don't get to see men be vulnerable with each other very much in uh movies but also like more specifically like genre fiction like um the lord of the rings is you know the one that is sort of like praised as you know being able to show emotionally vulnerable men uh but other than that, you don't see it a lot. And I, I, I just I, I love that um, that, you know, we can see these two guys who have grown up together, who have spent so much together, uh, you know, to the point like in the first episode, like. 
you know, Brasso cracks a joke about essentially like fucking Marva. Like, you know, he's like, I was at your mom's last night. Like, you know, like, yeah, you know, just two bros uh, that, you know, have just been through the shit together. And there's and... an established trust there because Cassian comes to him and he's like, I need you to lie for me. And Brass and Brass is like, OK. Yep. Well, Brass yeah. was like, I'd... oh, God, again. OK. <laughs> yeah. No well, yeah, that's, uh, you know, what? One of the things that I don't remember which interview it was, but Tony Gilroy was like talking about Cassian is kind of like, you know, the one in your small town who is like always getting into trouble. You know, the one who is like, oh, God, is he in jail again? Uh, you know, oh, I saw him drinking on the street again. You know, like just the loser. But everyone loves him, you know, that they would still drop everything for him. Uh, and I love that Brasso is is that uh, like views Cassian that like he he will still do anything no matter how how -hmm. much he screws up uh, I do think a lot of that is everyone loving Marva (laughs) well yeah well and and another thing is like I'm just so used to bad screenwriting that like (laughs) it's true though especially on in television where the, where that trope that trope of you know Cassian being the guy who's always in trouble, and Brasso's character, the regular TV hack writer would have written much more conflict between the two of them. Mm-hmm. They would have had more like you know Brasso sitting down Cassian going like you're ruining everything by get you know, blah blah blah. And there would have been a lot of exposition in it to to because the writer would be like I'm establishing the tension between these two characters. And and, you know, Andor does it by just a couple lines, but at the same time, more realistically in that sort of situation, Brasso's like, OK, with it, you know, he's OK with it. He's, you know, sometimes it's kind of hard to to cover up Cassian's messes, but fuck the Empire, you know, and and you didn't even know nobody needed to explain that, like. That would have been more like a Quentin Tarantino movie where he would have been like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, and it would have been cool because Quentin Tarantino would have been writing it. But I like with this, <laughs> they just did it with, with you know, there was there's a little tension in it, but they they don't they're not feeling like, oh, well, there must be there should be more tension in it because that's how it's been in all the other scripts and stuff. This this felt more true to life, you know, like I grew up in a small town that everybody worked at a mill and stuff and and you know that this is how people this is how people acted you know the dad the dad was like jesus christ you're in trouble again yeah but then the dad goes oh wait that's what i used to do okay well just don't get arrested come on (laughs) you know don't get yourself hurt you know and and leave it and then it's and then it's that and then if there's any arguments we'll have it's down the line we'll put it off now because because we're we're best friends or whatever but yeah, they don't. They don't. They, it's it's that it's that faith in the audience. It's that respect for the audience that that really <laughs> makes this show shine. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, just the the restraint too. Uh, the, that reminded me of like there is kind of restraint in the the moment where the the time grappler kicks the guy off of the tower because a more indulgent version of that shot would have mm-hmm. been him like beating the crap out of him with his hammers. And I would have loved that. But that would have been fun. Yes. But yeah, it, it didn't but it's need not that. Necessary. It, yeah. Yes. 
I, I do think it's more fun with the, the Sparta kick. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Sparta kick, and then you see it from a distance. You see the guy who sent the stormtrooper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the guy who sent the stormtrooper up, up and goes, stop him, looks over and just sees a His second of the sto- of the guy just flopping <laughs> out the door out the window and he goes well so much for that you know <laughs> and and yeah it would have been a whole it would have been a whole fight you know it would have been like is the time grappler going to win this it's just like nope it's, yeah, he would have been gonna, like the guy would be like choking him out with his own hammer, and then he would have like had a triumphant like get up and at the last second, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 or somebody would have come up and helped him, or or so, something to that effect, or he would have taken the stormtrooper and started ringing the bell with the stormtrooper's head or something. Yeah, L- no. L- listen though, I will say like uh, it because that fits the show, and as you guys were talking, like I kept thinking about uh, the armor and how she fights with her hammers in Mando. But mm-hmm. that works for that show. Like she is that grandiose, like choking people out with her hammers and stuff like that, because that is what fits that the tone of that show. It is that a little show's bit more, more mythological and know? a little bit yeah. more silly. And yeah. so it, like you know, there I, I like that they understand the time and the place for everything between the, like the different Star Wars as well. Um, yeah, and and I I don't know. I maybe I'm one of the few people who thinks if you're Disney and you're gonna do a lot of Star Wars, you might as well try all different kinds of Star Wars. I hate all the people who get finicky and go like, this isn't like the Star Wars that I like. It's like they're throwing stuff against the wall, you know. Listen, Star Wars and, will and die getting... if we don't innovate. It will die. Right. We have to throw stuff against the wall. Like that's why Resistance is fucking good. And, it, and it's yeah. the stuff that everybody's arguing for that is that is making people go like, I don't know. There's maybe there's too much Star Wars and stuff like that. And and yeah. and also like. You know, since there's going to be a lot of Star Wars, maybe everybody should just get it in their head that, like, there's very few people. There's a few people like me and Hope who are just going to, like, enjoy it all. And there's going to be, you know, you, you, you can pick and choose. You can go like, okay, this looks more my style. Oh, this has too many girls in it and hurts my pee-pee. I won't watch this one. You know? and... <laughs> yeah, uh, I do. I Yeah, I wish they would diversify a bit more and and show show even more because even even the things that i'm not as much a fan of like i'm i'm fine that they exist it's just that like there's the sort of mando verse like it it is sort of starting to like feel very samey to me which that that is more my issue it's not the sort of like the fact that the silliness is there what like my favorite episode of this last season of mando was the really silly one with the droids because i think that show works the best Jack when Black it's a episode? really yeah when it's Hell a really yeah. when it's well, a really goofy fucking yes. you know romp like that that is the show to me that was where it jumped the shark for a lot of people and i and i don't like bringing in like recognizable actors and stuff but as an old as an old guy I recognize watched that show and it reminded that episode specifically remember reminded me of some old Marvel comics by mm. with uh by drawn by Carmine Infantino where they would like go to other worlds and stuff and you would have situations like that and it was kind of goofy and fun and it's like but that's what Star Wars is supposed to have a goofy but fun you know sort of thing and yeah. it was something Bye. different and i i love that episode i love I, that yeah. episode i will absolutely go ahead and say i've already talked to them about it and colton's gonna be back for that episode <laughs> amazing Cause, yes because they love that episode so much so i, yeah, I am sure colton's they back do for that episode oh yeah, yeah. 
I of um, course they love that episode. <laughs> of course they do. Uh, but I do, I do uh, like again. I keep bringing up uh, clips from Tony Gilroy interviews, but like he, he's like you know the the sort of philosophy was that you know they wanted to like uh, carve out a new lane, like do something different. But he also said like you know yes, the thing we like we're really proud of the thing we made, but the mistake would be to go okay now everything has to be Andor. Yes. Yes. And he 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 said like what what would a three camera comedy look like in Star Wars? What would a hospital drama look like in I Star Wars? I want a rom com so yeah. bad. Like there are so many different things they can do. Like you know what's a noir story in Star Wars? Like uh, to me, like that's the biggest uh, uh, failure of Attack of the Clones is they should have leaned way further into Detective Obi Wan Kenobi. But that's yeah. that's another. Uh, another well, that's thing. sort of that's sort of the 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 Jack Black Lizzo episode is yeah. is, is, is is a Columbo. It's a episode yeah. of Columbo. Yeah. So like, there's so many different things they can do, and I, I just I hope they do that. Uh, I, like that's why I'm super pumped for the acolyte because you know it's going to be a a mystery thriller and skeleton crew uh, is going to be an Amblin show. Yeah, yeah. I'm very so, excited about skeleton crew. I I I am hopeful for that one. I I, I certainly uh, I I really hope that one turns out to be. They do. They did get some of my a couple of my favorite directors to direct episodes because they've got. They had David Lowry direct an episode and uh, the Daniels directed an episode. And that that is what has got me the most hyped for that, because I love those guys. David yeah. Lowry messes me up because one of my favorite bands in the world is Camper Van Beethoven. And their lead lead guy and the lead songwriter in that is named David Lowry. Oh, <laughs> and he's written a couple scripts and he's into movies and stuff. And I saw that and I was like. Did David Lowry get a job on? I had to go and like look and go. Okay, it's not yeah. the same David Lowry. Uh, it's the guy who did the Green Knight and a Ghost Story. And... The green. The, I haven't seen a Ghost Story. That's another one that's on my list that it's keeps so big out of my memory. And like, the guys. It's the saddest that... movie I've ever seen. So like, you know, make sure you have tissues and are in the space to be hurt. Uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm always in any, if a movie's going to take me somewhere emotionally, then I'm in the space for it because that's yeah. what movies are for. So, and that, that it's funny because that's been on my list. It was, what, what the hell is the name of that YouTube show? Red letter media. God, the, the red letter media people did a best of movies for a particular year. And like one of the more grumpy guys on there, I don't know any of their, I don't remember any of their names, but one of the guys on there was like, my favorite of the movie was your, was the ghost and like started talking about it. And he was just like, I totally, he's big into ghost hunting shows and stuff. So he was like, Oh, a movie about a ghost. And he's just like, this movie is just over the, over the top engaging and, you know, like unusual and good. Mm-hmm. And I've had it on my list and off ago. The Green Knight was also just amazing. Um, fucking brilliant. I love that film. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other thing I wanted to talk about, and I'll give you a little background on this one, Robin, because this has been like a thread I've been stringing across all all the episodes of Andor. Um, I want to talk about Cyril and how he, and how he's 
this whole time has been the foil character for Aunt, for Cassian and how they are both being um, radicalized, but by either going leaning into their community or going away from their community. And mm. so, uh, of course, Cassian has Ferrix and blah, 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 and that's very apparent. But when it comes to Cyril, um, I've been building this case for him that a big reason why is his his him choosing not to have community because mm. um, it when he's still with the the mall cops, you know, people reach out to him. There are people who are just like like walking by in the the hallway and they're like, "Hey, are you all right, sir?" sir? And he ignores them. Um, yeah. And there's people. The other mall cops are just like, "Oh, Cyril's coming," because he never made an effort to become friends with them, and. So why one of the most telling episode uh, episodes, one of the most telling moments for me of how Cyril has completely rejected the possibility of friends, the possibility of communities, because like him and Cassian, yeah, Cyril's mom suck, but there's also so many times where Cyril has not made choices to make real honest connections. And then you have Linus Mosk. And since the moment Linus has shown up, he really really wanted to be friends with Cyril and he has gone out of his way to be this person. Yeah, he worked he, at it. Yeah. And he worked mm -hmm. at it and he reached out to him and he like gave him his hat. And like <laughs> he so clearly wanted to be this man's friend. And the only thing the last thing we'll ever see of Linus, because it's confirmed that he's not in season two unless they change it for reshoots, is him drinking alone because Cyril has left him. And Cyril has gone so far to reject any community any friends because he has it inside him to be radicalized into this like cold heartless person which makes me kind of excited i hope this sets up a, a him versus detra in season two where he's like i have my lady justice but also i need to best her because that would be very lost stars of them um and i just i find it so fascinating that it he had this chance to have this person like Linus probably would have fought for him. He he did fight for him. He did fight for him in episode three and Cyril rejects community at every turn to become the worst version of himself to be like the, uh, the other side of the coin to Cassian Cassian started off in a very similar place where he didn't really embrace the people around him. And then he was became more radicalized. He found friends in the prison. He met Ruth Scott Melshi. He met Kino Loy. He met the Aldani heist friends, except for Skian, who got shot and is very <laughs> he's very excellent in the bear. That that I've been watching the bear. That actor is excellent. He deserves all. Evan Moss Backrack is a fucking powerhouse. So good, so good. So everyone, go watch the bear. It's not, it's not a comedy. I don't want the Emmys lie to you. It's not a comedy. You'll you'll. He's also really things. good in the Punisher, the Marvel oh. Netflix uh, series. Well, I haven't watched that yet. Yeah. yeah, he plays he plays microchip in that, and he's very oh good. fun. But like, this is the opposite of Cassian. Like, Cassian learns how to embrace community and make honest connections and find friends and find life. And like, and by the time he gets back to Ferrix, he's ready to embrace this entire these people that he was on the fringe of, and now he's fully in it. While Cyril chooses to be radicalized in a completely different way by rejecting community at every twist and turn step of the way. And it all comes down to the very final shot of Linus drinking by himself after the riot. I I had a little Mandela effect over that. A little okay. Mandela effect over that. For some reason, I in my brain, in the 
what nine months since it's been since I watched that or a year it's probably more like a year and a half by the time time we got to it and then took the eight months off of when I saw that episode I thought there was more of him of his breakdown I I remember him sort of blubbering to Cyril and being like this mess and Cyril being like you know get a hold of yourself and stuff and I don't yeah. see his being upset because he lost cereal. I, I saw him being upset because as a as sort of a flunky fascist, a mall cop, he got in over he got in over his head. You know, he got more of a taste of the violence than he ever expected and maybe even felt a little bit bad for for the people of Ferrix and was just and having his hand like, in it too. Yeah. And, and, and his hand in it too, and like I was thinking, well, that's that's the end of him with the empire. <laughs> I I, would I don't actually... think he's I don't think he's got what it takes to be in the empire anymore. I think he might be on the verge oh, of like going away. I would. Oh God, I wish he was in season two because they've already said that he's not returning unless they change no, their reshoots. Yeah, but I no. I would love him to do a minister to a like change and join the rebellion mm. where he's just like, oh, we're decapitating people now. Nope, let me call up the ghost <laughs> crew. <laughs> like that yeah. would be. But with Tony Gilroy helming it, oh my God, get yeah, to that. No, story. I. But I don't know. I don't know. I I I think it. It's like as a person he just doesn't have the stomach for violence that he thought he had like even if he was in the rebellion or i I think he just saw that like i'm not i'm not made for this Mm -hmm. i'm not made for watching i like i feel something when people get killed (laughs) and Mm -hmm. uh and this was like you know yeah now i've got a nice dose of ptsd from this little afternoon in ferrix and i'm just gonna sit here and drink uh-huh. And I, I thought there were there was more like they just had him sitting there drinking. I'm like, OK, there's and then the, the show was over and I'm like, wait a minute. Where where was the scene where he was sort of blubbering? I pictured him blubbering and crying and just being nope. like inconsolable. <laughs> no, and it nope. never happened. I, I have so <clears throat> many feelings about this, like fucked up mall cop. I, I really find him an incredibly fast, like one of the most fascinating characters of the show, actually. Yeah. Because he comes out with full confidence. He comes out as being, uh, he's a character from a clockwork orange. He's like this British, you know, you know, come on, sir, we'll go out there and kick their ass and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to give a speech. And, and that speech was sort of a forerunner of maybe he didn't really have it. Or no, no, actually, no, that's right. He did okay. It was Cyril who tried to give yeah, the speech. Yeah, Cyril up. was the one that Now I'm getting yeah. all mix, mixed yeah. up in my head. Yeah. So. But like he came out as this confident, you know, come on, sir, let's go. And, you know, and maybe that's why Cyril liked him too is because he had a lot of like, he came to Cyril with bully. fealty. A, yeah, a yeah, funky. he was a bully. Well, yeah. and he also he's the only one who actually plans anything for that attack. Cyril, Cyril is, quote unquote, in charge, but he's always like, so uh, how many men do you think we'd, we'd need? Yeah. And then Lydus is like, 12, sir. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Cyril's uh, yeah. like a desk junkie that was well, given a gun. They're both yeah, sort and- of feeding little emptinesses in each other. Cyril's got somebody to order around, and he's got somebody who's like taking him seriously and taking his you know job seriously and asking him for stuff so they just sort of had a little little symbiotic relationship there everyone else in the uh premore security corporation is you know is you know treating it like a job you know they're they're eating noodles just like 
their uniforms are all frumpy. Even his boss has like the sort of like frumpy uniform. And, you know, Cyril, of course, extra, super extra tailored his uniform. And uh, like you said, Hope is like pushing, pushing people away, you know, for his, you know, because of his mom is, you know, has this obsessive need to be the best. Um, and then someone else shows up and is taking it as seriously as he is. Uh, at, even more so at times as it seems, and he's like, "Oh, finally!" Um, and then and then he sees a a woman who is uh, you know, just his mom, and and even like, more oh, serious, and like oh, like God. you know, it's this it because Dedra is like even more serious and higher on the ladder, and he's more than happy. It, it goes back to like the what um Skeen was saying, like you know, I'm okay like stepping on other people to get my share. That's what it essentially Cyril does. Like he's he's happy to go along with Mosk until he sees Dedra, who is higher on the ladder, and you know he fall he gets a hard on for her and stuff like that. But he's more than happy to step on Mosk to get up that ladder. Yeah. Well, and I also I don't know. Like I do think Cyril probably is interpreting his feelings towards Dedra as romantic, but I don't. I actually think it is far creepier than that. Like yeah. I. I don't get the feeling that he wants to like be in a relationship with her. I get the feeling he wants to like wear her skin. Yeah. Like, I always think you made her. that joke. She, knows, that she, joke. she yeah. knows it too. I think he wants to control her. Yeah. I, I, I think he wants to control he her. He had to physically push the gun away from his face for her because even after she he saved her, I think she still halfway wanted to just blast his head off. Yeah. I, I, I go back and forth whether or not I want them to be romantic in season two because on one hand – They'd make the grossest power couple, and it'd be fascinating to watch. And on the other hand, <laughs> I feel like she just like I I love this idea of him like still like just being a creepy and still chasing her, and she's just like I'm doing my fucking job. You're sexually harassing me at work. Please stop. Yeah. I'm wondering. I I'm kind of picturing a moment where um the where like he's following her around, like he's she's gotten him into the empire, and he's like you know just you know a little puppy following her around and then she in a moment like lets the facade crack for a moment like in all of her like tailored perfection like maybe she just like lets a hair go out of place for once and then Cyril's like oh Oh my God, you've betrayed me. And like, (gasps) like, what if she just like, lets uh, you know, a button on her uniform she misses or something like that and that he's like oh my i must destroy you now and i, I and think that i'm not I, that, I don't think you're too far off no, because like I, i've had a I've, I've had a joke throughout this entire thing that he has a hard on for lady justice and that's it well, and and that's kind of like what dedra represents but did i did i tell you about my cyril the cuck joke <laughs> no so you know, uh, Dedra has that assistant hurt that kind of looks like Tarkin's Here. child. Yeah, the the guy who I say if they ever make a uh, Boris Karloff biopic, they need to cast that guy. Yeah, uh, her, he, her I mean, smithers. honestly, honestly, like he could play Peter Cushing if like, if he wanted to play Tarkin in in Star Wars, he could. We love um, a Sallow King. Yeah, I have this joke that like I, I ship him in Dedra. I ship them so hard, and I have this entire like head canon of like him fucking Dedra while while Cyril watches, and he's just like, yeah, you are my cock. Oh, <laughs> uh, see, I see here as the gay best friend. Oh uh... uh, no, no, those two are those two fucked. At Listen least to one. you guys projecting. Listen, <laughs> listen <laughs> hey, shut up. 
I'm not, I didn't come here for this harassment. Let's hey, forget. Yeah. Um, I have I have my own headcanon about uh, about those two, and I think neither of them belong in the Empire. The two being Dedra and Cyril, and or Dedra, Dedra and, and Cyril, Dedra and Cyril okay. for different reasons that are the different variations on the same reason. They both buy into the bullshit. They they both are ide- kind of ideologues about it. Cyril has his crazy incel brain about it, where he thinks he's doing everything better than he thinks he he thinks he knows because he really believes it, and he's like these guys aren't doing it right. But like most of the imperial brass know that it's that uh, what they're doing is bullshit, but it's a means to power. So they yeah. don't oh, they they will overlook picky things about it because it doesn't matter. You know, it does it doesn't matter. What matters is the power and control and whatever you need to get there to get it. But Cyril's like, "But this rule got broken," you know. And <laughs> and Dedra really believes it too, and both of them they're they're too individ they're too much individuals. They have too much ego to really to to not I mean, step back from it and go like Look, the, 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 these are the basic goals, and it's it's tripping them up, and it's making them stand out from other people. Dedra has a much better chance of getting somewhere in the empire because she does. She is. She's really. She's still smart and practical about it. I mean, you're not wrong about that because in the little the one scene at the ISB when like Blevin walks in, they're like, "Yeah, we killed all of Anter Krieger's men. Guess who's mad about it? And guess who uh, the the head guy is having to talk down? And it's Dedra, and she's sitting here going, "Why is everyone stupid? We need someone alive to interrogate." Yeah, what yeah, the yeah. Fuck? <laughs> And 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 they're like, "No, it doesn't matter. We just need him dead." And mm. and. And yeah, and and it sti- and it will stick, and it will. They'll have things that stick in their mind that are totally useless to the empire, although they ideologically line up with the empire. And they're like, "Wait, what?" You know, they're 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 that both puts a seed of doubt into their that into their head that maybe the empire isn't really like really like what it is. You know, what it says it is. It's you know, it's and. And they're only going to recognize it when it comes in conflict with them. But they're, both of them are in conflict with the Empire. You know, they both belong to it. They're both really into being into it. And Dedra's on the higher level where she's, you know, basically battling all the other people who have their aspirations too. But when at, at the end of the day, the, the, I, I can't remember his name, the old, the old Imperial guy that's sort of the... Uh, P- Major Partagast. Yeah, Partagast. Partagast knows the score. He knows the score. He doesn't yeah. have any ideology. He just has the ideology of I'm going to be, a, you know, I'm going to be on top of whoever's coming out on top of stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to be there so that let you know I'm in the in the good in the place where the power is. And, Hell yeah, Detra's hot. Be on top. And you know, <laughs> anyway, you're saying. <laughs> And he has a little more perspective than than both of them, but like I I think there's there's in the future of Andor there's there is room for um, both of the I mean you know that I mean we we saw ugh, I don't want to bring up this goddamn movie, but it was handled horribly, but a, a <laughs> situation was similar to that in in Rise of Skywalker with Hux, you know. Where Hux starts out giving mm, his Hitler yeah. speeches at the beginning of the movies, and by the end he's just like, "Fuck these guys," 
and you know they're 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 messing up my power struggle and i'll i'll i'll, I'll give stuff to the you know i just want to i just want to see them lose now you know yeah. and uh and i think there's potential for a good arc of that with both dedra and cyril and i think so too and where 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 instead of i don't think they'll have an arc where they be you know where they where they where they callous it and you know become a rebel but at some some point they could betray the empire because they they have personal beefs with them i think and maybe maybe we're going to see luthen exploit that you know yeah i think cyril's downfall ultimately probably will just be his obsession with cassian yes um i think i mean he very much is the space javert to cassian's valjean like i i do think he will just he will it will end up where he will have to choose between being a loyal servant of the empire and finding and killing cassian yeah and i or think he's going to being choose killed by cassian <laughs> yeah well yeah that's is he's he's going to choose the opportunity to kill cassian uh and that will end up being his undoing mm -hmm. i think Hell yeah. Well, y'all, we've been talking for over three hours, and I need to cook dinner soon. So we are going to wrap oh, this it's up. Oh, it's dinner time for my cat, too, and she's been running in and jumping on my lap and then running out. So, so it's okay. She's Robin, got kibble. Robin, on a yes. scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate this episode and why? Um, I would rate it a 9.5. Uh... Own, not perfect because it's not one way out. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to say I also gave it a 9.5 because it's not nobody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> my 10% of the season, and I was like, I guess I have to give it a lower one. Yeah. So... <laughs> well, my my favorite episodes of uh, now that we're at the end, my favorite episodes are the prison the prison arc. I think you're the good. first one I'm that was your 10 for 10. I'm about to drop one? the bomb, Hope. I'm about to drop the bomb. You know what I give this? Okay. I give this what? one an 11. Oh. Dang. My first 11. My first 11. You've and, and, no, seriously. Hold on. Everyone stop. In, t in almost 10 years of Jay Guys and Jedi, Chris has only had two 10s, and this is his first 11 in 10 years of Jay Guys and Jedi. Oh, my God. I want to hear why, Chris. Tell I've me had, why. I've had some more 10s, but, like, this pull, like, I mean, the the prison arc is one of the most just greatly written pieces about fascism ever. But for sticking the landing on on Andor, which like, it's one of those shows where like I'm watching it, I'm like, oh my god, this is perfection, and then it's like, oh no, they got to stick a landing for this, you know. And I've had so many been burned so many times by the landing, not getting screwed up. This pulls all puts out all its strings and pulls them back in in this one episode perfectly perfectly that 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 it all it all comes down to brasso kicking that guy in the chest and being just like yes it has begun you know they 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 pulled it off perfectly they landed this season it couldn't have been better it could not have been better. So eleven for that's pulling so off something that's almost impossible in, you know, narrative drama. 
You God, know? we didn't even talk about uh, Cassian's blood oath at the end. Like, or like Luthen at all. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> well, that just means that we'll have to have you back on another time, Robin. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, the Two True Freaks Facebook page, or on our Discord channel. Um, we're not going to be doing any feedback this week because we do have a lovely guest and we are going a little bit long. I do want to give you some quick little housekeeping notes. Um, so we're going to wrap up and or next week, as me and Chris do as we do. Um, I'll have the Cassian Volution, as I do every time. And then after that, we may or may not have a guest episode because I'm going on a trip for a few weeks. We might have my mom and my sister back on. Don't know yet. Still working Fingers that out. But yeah. Well, you guys have had my mom drunk on here before and you also have had my sister on here before and we might try to get them both together in the same room. We'll see how it goes while I'm in Florida. So, <laughs> um, and then after that, Chris and I have done a lot of talking. We're going to be doing star Wars vision season two. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. We're going to get those three episodes out of the way. And then we went back and forth about this, about whether or not to do Bad Batch Season 2 or Mando Season 3 first, because technically Bad Batch came first. We have decided to do Mando Season 3 first, and that is only because we don't want to be covering Bad Batch while Season 3 is running, because we have never done that before. We've never had a show running that we've also been covering at the same time, and, and we want to give to do it anything space. we haven't done before. Right. Well, no, we just also want to get a little bit of time to breathe. Yeah. So that is the housekeeping coming up. We're going to wrap up Andor, do Visions, Mando Season 3, which means you'll get to hear Colton sooner rather than later, and then we'll get into Bad Batch, because by then the show should be done, because we're bi-weekly now, so fuck yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Robin... Thank you for yes. being on the show. Where can people find you? Thank you for having me. Um, you can't. No, you made this no. <laughs> really easy. I was like, I don't need to put as many notes because I just know yeah. Robin's going to talk about Andor. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I get you can technically follow me on Instagram at Robin J. Moss, uh, but I don't really do anything on social media anymore. I just Good hang out you. on Discord. Good yeah. for you. I mean, I heard you're on this little show, something called, like, Flad. Oh, yeah, you know, just uh, for light and dice, uh, yeah, yeah, the, there's a little podcast I'm on. Uh, uh, yes, you you should listen to For Light and Dice and, and follow the adventures of the Phantasmal Squonk, uh, where I play Zero, is, is a good time. I will say if you want if you if you're a little bit nervous about jumping into like two seasons of it, um, we did a Halloween special called The Night Sister is Dead, and it's a three part episode. It's it's a it's a three episode story, and Robin was the game master for it, and it is excellent because we were a bunch of little witch familiars. I got to play a gorg. <laughs> it was very good. I was... I enjoyed all the little animal friends that you guys yeah. made. It was yeah. a grand old time. Charles played a Tuka cat and perfectly captured the nature of cats in his yes. performance. So if you want to get like a taste of what Flat is, uh, that is a little three-part episode, and Robin was an excellent, excellent game master um, in that one, and got to do voices. If you want to hear like Robin do excellent voices, they were excellent in that one. So, um, so yes. Well, Chris, where can people find you? Cause, and go fast. I gotta pee. You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com where we keep all our podcasts, including... J Guys and Jedi and the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror where I'm at also and the um, Akadekaganagan Theater Group where we do audio dramas. And that's the other one I'm that's the other one I work on. But there's a bunch of other Two True Freaks podcasters all busily putting out their podcasts and they all show up like it 
is it Jaws and and uh, the Ranger Chronicles? If you like your if you like your Power Rangers, Power Rangers. and yeah, and Back to yep. the Bins, our oldest running show, and all which all we've that, realized, yeah, about comic books. And, we're uh, we're we're just behind them though. Like we turned ten in January. Like we're about to turn ten. Yeah, we've so been around like, for a long time too. We're about to, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I will say, if, Robin, if you ever want to do radio dramas for fun, Chris runs radio dramas. So. Yeah, I'm the editor <laughs> yeah. for a radio drama. I can get you in on our Discord and and uh, Brad. Tim. Um, um, we are also on Facebook. We've got the Two True Freaks Facebook page where we put all our episodes up in the Two True Freaks Cantina group where we hang out and talk. And that's where and our, like, you can and our find wonderful me. our wonderful Twitter is run by Gene Gene the podcast. Oh, that's Gene. right. Ba da ba ba da ba. Gene. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> lest we forget, that's where they Shut can the find fuck me. Up, Chris. Shutting Shut the, the fuck, fuck up. up. Shutting the fuck up. Hi, you can find me <laughs> at Hope Molinex on Twitter. I also run our Twitter account at JGuysAndJedi. Um, I'm also on For Light and Dice, where I play a bird lady named Gaz, and she's fun and great, and she's going to mom-friend everybody back to hopefully healthy mental health if Chris will ever let us. Not this Chris, other Chris. By the way, he's called other Chris on the show, Robin, because that way there's not two Chris's. So there's my Chris and other Chris. That's how they go. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> how all the Chris's should go. Yes, me yes, and there's you are. other Chris's. You're Chris Prime! <laughs> Chris Hemsworth, um, other Chris. Yes, <laughs> and if you, uh, you can also see my work on Dark Side of the Force, Collider, um, and the Geeky Waffle, where I've been also slowly but surely covering Hasbun Hotel and Hell of a Bus, which is a excellent show. And oh my God, Chris, we did it! We did it! Joe, we did it! We finished Andor. <laughs> <laughs> it has been. No, it has been. This has like, been the like hardest. January this has been year. the hardest one to finish of all time. And we were we were even oh, milking God. it before the troubles began, but we made it through oh, the troubles. God. Hope we did it. We did it. We finished Andor, and we're gonna finish it for good next week when we do our our Cassian Volution. And I'm so excited. I'm actually like pulling up when we did our first episode of Andor just for some context. Let's see, uh, Casa. It was March 28th of last year when we oh, started Jesus. Andor. March 28th of 2023, and we are finishing it now on February 3rd. 2024, literally almost a month away from being a year in the making. Well, it will be by the time we do the the the, the episode the season roundup. So. Oh, yes. oh, it will be. You're right. You're right. You're right. Well, Robin, I adore you. You're one of my favorite people in the galaxy. Aww, I adore you as well. And honestly, I'm going to talk to you tomorrow when we record. Flash. Yes, <laughs> recording fled. Yeah tomorrow so thank you for being on this show i hope in talking with us for three hours i hope you had fun i did i haven't gotten to ramble about andor for that long in a while uh and i've never talked about andor on the internet so you know that's a, a grand old <gasps> time are you saying that i'm your first yes oh my god teehee <laughs> oh my god <laughs> we're their first so <laughs> i had a great time Okay, well, here's your complimentary cigarette. You can come back anytime. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys, come back next week where we will do our and or wrap up show. And yeah, bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Say bye. Bye.
visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks.